0: now recording hello everybody and welcome to what is now called the tyranny of thumbs gasp a uh, gasp <laughs> <laughs> all of our listeners our two listeners are like
1: what how dare what you happened change to the, the name? game club what i had a perfect printed yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> what if like one of them's like yeah i actually really like that and the other one's like i'm fucking out yeah
2: right. <laughs> like this is so, i mean that's probably the duality probably. of man mm-hmm <laughs>
3: I'm into yeah, it
0: everyone's gonna be like, "I was gonna send you fan art, man." I can't put Todd on
1: a T-shirt. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> because so GC though.
3: was totally much better, dude. GC was, was fucking terrible. Sweet.
1: <laughs> but
0: dude. yeah, so McCoy, why did we change it to Tyranny of Thumbs?
1: Ah, because we decided to use. You know, we got all political on a couple of previous podcasts. So we decided to use democracy amongst our uh hosts to figure out what our name was, and. The people who had a sound mind lost, and that's how democracy works. And here's where we are. Um, I'm just kidding. But the moral of the story, though, is that um, people were digging tyranny thumbs as a name, and it was something we thought for the review section. And I think it still is the review section. But I think in a sense, we're characterized by that. You know, it's like it's a game club, but it also at the end of it has some weird rating system that apparently we're we we call tyranny. I don't know. It's just it's.
3: I oh, want an SEO. What do you fucking want from me? Like easier you, you to search for. <laughs> you could also pretend that thumbs are like, you know, the digit that you use for playing games because clearly we're all in the 1990s and controllers are the only ways to do that. Dude, I've been thinking about getting a uh, pro controller. You just personally attacked McCoy who plays all his games with a controller. I don't play
1: all of them, but I do play <laughs> a lot of them. Cause, so my main monitor is a massive TV that I just use as a monitor. It's 50 inches. Mm-hmm which is not a massive TV, I guess, but it is if you're sitting one foot from it. Yo, sweet flex. <laughs> I know, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, but that thing is really bad for using a mouse because it'll make you sick instantly. So because mm. it's just too big, you kind of lose your sense in the room. So mm-hmm. I use a controller when I and I sit back and I sit in a camping chair and just relax and chill. I actually, what, crazy? Why are you looking? At, yeah, I definitely. So you're feel a camper like... too, huh? A camper <laughs> too. Yeah, I don't move for one position. I just aim at headshot level. Actually, that's the worst. When you like look at the campers kill cam and they're not even aiming well at all. They're just aiming at the ground and they sort of like shoot the recoil. Like sprays up and gets you. But hey, they got theirs. Why can't you get yours? Um, okay. Anyways.
2: <laughs> you goddamn right. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: So, yes, we are the Tyranny of Thumbs, a gaming podcast where we play a game each week and then we talk about it. And over there on the East Coast, we've got James. James is back.
4: Hi. Yay. Hello. Oh. I'm back. We've
0: missed having our audio <laughs> peak and we've missed having our ad reads and we've missed having James interrupt me and
1: every single yeah. aspect.
3: Exactly. <laughs> Damn, wow. Serrated. All right. <clears throat> Yeah, we no, so when she real. says we're friends. You, James. That's really just more of <laughs> a turn of phrase. Also,
4: yeah. I'm the only witness to whether uh Adam or McCoy whacked Zoe's head into the doorframe. Oh shit. Because it was also <laughs> my doorframe. So.
1: oh the
4: plot yeah, yeah. It's, it's
3: important to note that you are the only witness because I wasn't there <laughs> I <laughs> likely was not story. in the space at the time <laughs> a likely fucking story and I was
1: there and I could tell you I didn't do it <laughs> You know what I'm
0: saying? It'll be like the inevitable, like, continuing storyline of this podcast. We'll get to episode 175 and we'll be like, who banged Zoe's head on the doorframe?" We
3: know the God
1: answer. It. it was McCoy. It <laughs> no. was Zoe. Exactly. There's no secret here. That's what I'm saying. It is a secret. <laughs> it's just, it's one person's word against another person's word and, and maybe and ten also others. the truth.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, of course. And,
1: <laughs> but that's every case. But finding out is too no difficult.
0: Oh, man. Well, over there in the, uh, in the Defendant's Realm, over there on the Central Coast, uh, we've got Adam. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I'm on the Central Coast, but
3: I am not a centrist.
0: <laughs> hey.
3: This is true.
0: And we're back to being political. Ah!
3: Hey, <laughs> McCoy and I still need to have our uh, cage match, so that'll happen at some point, probably. This the look on
2: the look on McCoy's face is
1: I had hoped he'd forgot about that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it was? I thought it was like, oh, shit, do I have a half a sandwich in the fridge or not? That's 40 also 40, relatable, right? <laughs> I don't, by the way. I ate it, is the end of that story. I'm sorry to hear that. I know. Yeah. All Sounds right. Hard.
0: And then over there on the West Coast, we've got McCoy and Gabe sitting together, two pals.
2: We're on the West Coast and we're Westists.
1: Exactly. Uh, But we are Westists. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Makes sense. West Coast, Best Coast, right? Hell yeah, dude. I mean, I don't actually really have much experience with the East Coast, but I do think the West Coast is all right. Bold stance. Yeah, I know, right?
0: Just the way that you say that. I think it's all right. (laughs) Thank you, sir. It's
1: pretty neat. We have fires. (laughs) Yeah, fires and... Earthquakes, earthquakes, and Hollywood. housing crises.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you got a lot of housing crises. need yep. <laughs> Like what else do you need <laughs> from us?
0: All right, and then my name is Zoe. I'm over here, kind of on my own little coast. I'm on my own little island. I'm separate from all these fools. <laughs> Whenever like
1: the things cost nothing, is the coast. Yeah. Wait. What?
3: i don't know michigan
0: is not like an east it's it's not an east coast but it's not a central coast it's just kind of its own coast
3: you're on the canada coast
0: i wish i was canadian but okay (laughs) wait sorry (laughs) why i'm just curious
1: like what's awesome about canada i mean i've heard many things but i'm just curious
0: mainly in that i can go over there and watch premier league soccer and they actually televise it and also one of my favorite beers is over there and they do not sell it in the states
2: also
3: universal so, healthcare is pretty cool makes me is it
0: yeah i mean then, yeah, like who really needs that i mean like i personally only, uh, do, you, do, you
3: do anything at all about global warming that's kind of neat
1: <laughs> yeah i try to pay every month and then just celebrate that act every time i you know i just write a handwritten check to kaiser <laughs> you handwrite your checks <laughs> yeah dude what you print them <laughs> You use, no, a che- you use a checkbook? Yeah. I haven't used a checkbook in literal years. What's yeah. happening? It was crazy. Like when I was in Connecticut, like I swear, like they just wanted checks everywhere. And I was like, can I use a debit card or a credit card? Yeah, have you heard of this little plastic square? Yeah. They were like, <laughs> does that have a chip on it? Whoa. Like chill out.
2: Um, He's from the government. I know. It was really... Dude,
0: I went to a bakery the other day that either accepted cash or a written check, and I was like, who does that anymore? That's (laughs) That's disgusting. That's a
3: laundering operation. They launder money. They don't make bread. The bread is a byproduct of the money laundering. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it might be good. Their
0: their pretzels were really good. Dude, what if they're trying to go legit? They're like,
1: fuck, our bread is actually the way best part of this business. (laughs)
3: Like I'm going to read a story about like someone who runs a front for like a mafia money laundering operation, except it actually just ends up being extremely profitable, and they're like, "Wait, what do we do?"
1: <laughs> yeah, fuck, we have all this
3: like blood on our hands, but we haven't, you know, we want to get out of that. We have all this blood on our hands, and uh, hope? I think that's, exactly.
4: that's just founding a business. Like at that point, they're just
2: legal, right? It's true.
4: Aren't Speaking all of... doing the illegal shit? Right?
2: <laughs> Aren't all businesses just started as money laundering schemes? That's, yeah, that's how his mind started.
3: <laughs> that's, the rap- that's the rapture way, probably. Yes. Ah,
0: oh, segue! Uh,
3: I got you. <laughs> Adam saved us. And then he betrayed us. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Are you getting stabbed with Little Sisters at the end of this, or what's happening here? Okay, yeah, I betrayed so, you because I didn't actually finish playing what we were supposed to play. Before we get, flying, get into, I into the DLCs,
4: can I, can I talk for a couple minutes about my, my thoughts on, on what I listened to? Uh, in the yeah, past so let's weeks. go.
1: Please give that to us. We
0: have the luxury of actually having a listener to this podcast, James. So please, yeah, wow. So Calling out the people all, who actually
1: listen to our podcast, just like fuck all those people. They have terrible taste. <laughs> so if first you thing like James, I want to say, write, yeah. No, no. I was just gonna. I was gonna pimp. I was gonna do your role of like pimping our fucking socials and shit. But no, no, no. You oh go, no! Please do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I was just going to say they could write into our fucking email tyranny at thumbs at gmail.com. Wow.
3: Wait, wow. do we actually have one of those now? Yes. I yes. thought we were using it. Okay, so we fixed it from the visual thing. No we, no, we still, still have, that have
4: sponsored in- by visual at, at gmail.com. We have both now. And if
1: you're yeah. a fucking hipster, you go for sponsored by. <laughs> what is it? Yeah. Sponsored <laughs> by. Sponsored
4: by visual <laughs> at, yeah, that's at gmail.com. Are you dumb, McCoy. Sponsored no? by visual at gmail.com. Um, so, hey, James,
3: give us your take on, on Bioshock Infinite and the things that you heard us talk about.
4: Yeah, so the first thing that I wanted to say is now that we are officially the Tyranny of Thumbs podcast, um, we're going to need to interpret Adam's arbitrary scores as into thumbs. And I thought that 11,000 sounded like a lot, so that's probably like two thumbs up. Wow. So Adam yeah, gave Bioshock sure. Infinite
1: two <sighs> thumbs up.
2: Yeah, here he loved it. <clears throat> yeah,
1: and that's why you should never use rigid systems for creative pieces. I get it. I get it. Uh, so, uh no, but um
4: there were there were a number of things that I uh a, a, that I thought about throughout the series. Um one of them is that uh I think that they needed some editors in like the design process, like kind of like you write a draft of a book and then you give it to your editors and they're like, all of this sucks. Take it out, focus on these characters. And then you rewrite two thirds of it. Like, I I think that, that maybe that could have been useful. I actually Um, think
1: games at this time needed editors like kind of period. I felt like this was sort of the tail end of an era of tyranny if you will for like maybe 10 or more years of games at that's of this size being required to be like 10 hours Damn. give or take a certain amount like it just it must be it doesn't matter what you're trying to do you're not doing a three-hour experience you're doing a 10-hour experience the end of it and i feel like this game could have used an editor but was still stuck in that paradigm take that ken levine take that everyone at that time man all those games the, were well, extended
3: the weird thing is that they had enough material to make a story out of either of the stories they were trying to tell and then they just made half stories out of both of them and neither story worked and that's <laughs> a
4: great that's a great transition into my second thought <clears throat> which is that um, I have a theory about this game which is that uh, I was listening to day nine Sean day nine plot discuss Damn. game design my hero and he was uh saying that um uh he thinks that the agile development process uh is actually potentially very dangerous for game development and i think that this game might be proof positive of that um i don't you know like how they develop the game
1: of agile so we can understand i think that's like a i'm just curious like what how that is or what, yeah. what do you mean by that they put all their points so, into agility
4: yeah exactly yeah so all of the developers put all of their points into agility and ignore strength oh decks and intelligence uh old move and 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 speed
3: speed is the best stat so it seems like it makes sense on paper but it turns out
2: (laughs) yeah you can't Uh, run from everything (laughs) so if you're looking for an actual if you're looking for an
3: actual explanation i am a professional software developer and have been made to use agile um as everyone has by now uh, yeah, go for I, it. James if you wish to give a, a more relevant description that it ties into. No, your I was thing, just can... going
4: to do my best to describe Agile, but I'm I've never actually used it. I've watched it, but I haven't used it.
3: Okay, um, so Agile, <clears throat> do you know what
4: came before Agile?
3: Uh Yes. So Waterfall was like, they call it Waterfall. um I think that name kind of came about as Agile was coming into existence as like a foil to it. Um, the Agile Manifesto is like really where this got kicked off by a couple of big software people who write a ton of books and are important, I guess. Um, I don't remember their name, so they can't be that important. Um but the uh waterfall methodology is basically you sit down and you make a huge design document. This is everything that this is going to be. Uh and then once that's approved, you say, all right, cool, now we begin development, and you sit down and then you you bang out code for months and months and months. And this doesn't really work that great because it it's inflexible. Um so like halfway through specs change like the market has changed and you haven't produced anything and the thing you're producing is now worthless and you keep producing it anyways because that's what the design doc says and it doesn't work great waterfall isn't good Um, and agile development is kind of the answer to that where you have a defined um, period i think the original document said month or two most teams that i've been on do two week periods where uh, you work on a section of work that's on your plate uh, and every two weeks you look over that, you say, okay, what do we do? How can we improve our process? Um, and what are we going to do for the next chunk? Um, so you only ever commit to about two weeks of stuff at a time and you can change what your plans are fairly rapidly. Um, yeah. it comes with its own pitfalls and also no one ever really does it correctly. True. Um, so yeah, but that's the idea. Also, just to add another layer onto that, the way I've always had it
1: described to me is uh, specifically with the developer sort of stakeholder relationship, where there's essentially like some, I guess, higher up or maybe a designer or something that says, this is what we want. And they tell that to the developer. And then the developer says, okay, I've mapped all that out. I'm going to go do it. And so then that's sort of the waterfall method where they sort of, the developer hides away. Uh, and this is more of the contract approach, maybe better integrated companies don't have this, but you know, then the developer goes, uh, works on that for months and then comes back and says, I have what you exact, literally exactly what you asked for. And they look at it and go, oh, that's not really what I was thinking. Oh God, sorry. Yeah. I actually wanted this and they kind of have to undo it. So agile in that sense is a lot of like, Hey, I've got an early working prototype. I'm going to hand it to you and you're going to figure out all the things that you didn't tell me during the initial meeting that you actually care about. And then we're going to work from there.
3: The idea right. is rapid feedback and rapid iteration. You get something that works at a minimal level out early so people can start looking at it. Right. So, James, so the, yeah, exactly. Tell the, us how that fits.
4: Applying this to these games, um, it really felt like Bioshock, the original game, um, everything was working towards the purpose of the game. Everything kind of fit together. Um and it, it, like that, that led to a, a a good gameplay experience for the most part. I, there were issues, um, there were bugs, etc. But <clears throat> um, like the all of the mechanics were made sense and were built into the story. Um, the story made sense. Uh, the 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 environmental <laughs> storytelling um, helped build the world. Um, basically, everything kind of fit together for the most part, um, and that that's really proof of a really strong artistic vision that kind of guided the entire development of the game. Um, and I feel like a lot of that was kind of lost. In Bioshock Infinite, <clears throat> and my theory is that, um, basically the Bioshock the original one was developed in the waterfall method, where they had like a script written out at the beginning. They had uh, a lot of um, design pre-made for the guns and the the. Uh, <clears throat> Plasmids and um, uh,
3: the environment, Gameplay elements.
4: <clears throat> and, um, and then they just kind of went and built it all. Um, whereas in Bioshock Infinite, I feel like um, from what I played years ago and from what I was listening to you guys discuss. It feels like they kind of started with a general idea, probably an outline for a story, maybe a lot of a script, and then just started. Um, <clears throat> and then they kind of developed something. They had a team working on this part and a team working on that part, and they weren't really talking to each other, and they were all coming up with what they thought were individually good ideas. Um and and following those um and kind of the 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 design the the leader ken levine i get i don't know if that's that guy um didn't have as firm a grip on all of the decision making and so they kind of backed themselves into a lot of corners um or just like, like one thing you guys talked a lot about was that the, um, the different enemy types, if you put them all together, might've been really interesting to fight because they all made you do different things. Um, but you never had to fight them together. So they were all boring. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. And like, um, you know, what's really interesting about this is, uh, Zoe offhandedly texted me at some point i think we saw even today where she was talking about how originally they had actually made the main villain if you will of bioshock infinite like a political figure that it's like his name is something totally different you've never heard of him uh he's not featured in this game almost at all maybe a little bit here and there in in easter eggs but if you think of them
0: so not not exactly it like definitely the beginning of Uh, Like the beginning iterations of Bioshock Infinite were more like a lot of politicians scrambling for power. So it wasn't just a Comstock, but there were also going to be like a more progressive political figure and a more like centrist political figure. It was basically going to be like a political arms race. Uh, That's kind of how it started out with. And there's even some like uh, hints in this latest version of Bioshock Infinite that kind of hints at the characters that could have been. Um, I think at the very beginning, um, somebody talks about a guy, and he's like, he says he's for faith and fatherland, and who would want, you know, who would want, you know, who wouldn't want that, or something like that. And that character was supposedly going to be one of the political figures coming to light. Um, And also in the scene in Arcadia, when you come across a board of sculpt heads, um, a lot of those names are what those political figures would have been um, in that earlier version. Hmm. So, like, I'm in agreement with James, like, Bioshock Infinite was delayed, I think, three times. It went through some major developmental changes, um, and they kept on pushing back the release date, and the earlier trailers that you see of this game are nowhere near what the end result gameplay was, and I think... You know, James is on to something when he says that it just kind of seems like there are many different visions of what they could have done. Like, I've read that, you know, Ken Levine was interested in doing something along the Occupy Wall Street movements of 2011. He wanted to do some sort of like, you know, movement, uh, video game piece about that. Um, but then again he was like thinking about maybe I want to go back to Rapture maybe I want to do some kind of renaissance piece like a la like Assassin's Creed um like there were definitely a lot of ideas toyed about and I definitely it, it definitely feels like Infinite was a little bit scatterbrained in what exactly it was trying to I guess go for um
4: that actually... Which is
0: when I... Oh, <clears throat> go ahead.
4: No, keep going. Sorry, I'll, I'll say my Well, piece
0: and I said, I think that's why they kind of... I, I think it's great that they decided to play this DLC back in the Land of Rapture, because I think that is Ken Levine's strong suit. And I think that is where the studio and story writers and the directors thrive. Um, and so I'm really glad that they brought it back around to that. Um, just because it was definitely at that point a more focused story and they had all of their aspirations and their hopes for the game franchise realized. Mm. And they were able to make a really nice off piece, you know. Yeah,
4: yeah. totally because agree. Um, mm-hmm. So that actually leads, leads kind of well into my next uh, p- uh, point in my argument, which is kind of a hot take, which is that... Uh, Bioshock Infinite is actually a masterpiece in writing Um, because based on all of the disparate places that they ended up having to work with that the game was in, the writers figured out how to put them all together in a way that you could make sense out of.
1: But like well. but let's be clear though, right? I just I want to understand what you're saying. You're saying Bioshock Infinite by the end of the DLC is the masterpiece, no, right? No, or you're well, saying I'm saying, that,
4: I'm saying that the writers had a really difficult task in front of them and they managed to bring it all together. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that mm-hmm. the the way that they did that, I mean, the 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 end result <laughs> is good. It's it's really just trying to be a little bit cheeky Um, because i would take that (laughs) all of you kind of complained about the writing
1: but i would Um, take that and say that what i have in my notes for infinite dlc by the end is they got where they needed to go they finally got to the promised land and i really do think like from a writing perspective that's where they get to it's like when you play the end of infinite you realize okay okay they kind of almost didn't care about half of this game in specifically the middle half they cared a lot about opening up this crazy weird constant repeating constants and variables sort of infinite universe they wanted all this craziness and by the end of infinity like okay 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 oh sorry go ahead i don't think that
4: they did that on purpose i think that they did that to 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 pull stuff together to make Uh, it work um so I basically it, uh, Zoe kind of just confirmed that like they didn't start off with the script in hand, right? They built that they they d- developed that along with the game. Um and so the the end goal of the game was not to develop or from the beginning was not to develop this multiple universes shenanigans thing. It was to make this game in rapture and have some politics and some, you know, etc. cetera. Um, <clears throat> and so the <laughs> fact that they ended up with the ending to Bioshock Infinite that they did is the masterpiece of writing of like actually tying that story together.
3: Yes, um, I take a little bit of issue with your uh, phrasing of a masterpiece. Masterpiece indicates to me that it is like a good end result, and I don't think it was. It was really muddled, like it it didn't know what it was doing or what it was. It had no like Rapture was so good because it has a really good clear through line and like is grounded really well <clears> in um, the setting. So my the my theory continues
4: through the DLCs, where I think that basically they were small enough scope that Ken Levine and the rest of the writing team was able to control what was going on. And it worked really well. Um, their little like contained story pieces. Um, it's not that they're in rapture to me that makes them work. It's that they had consistent artistic vision. Um, <clears throat> and then Ken Levine realized that that's how he makes games that are good and fired eighty percent of his staff. Did to... that happen, or are you making that up? <laughs> that literally happened. He fired Me. he the the staff of the company went from ninety people to fifteen um after this game was done, and he's now focusing on narrative games with his
3: fifteen person staff. I'm glad he got there, I guess. <clears throat> A little yeah, unfortunate so for those other people. but
0: Let's get into the DLC then. Or unless, James, you have something else you want to, you know, harken back to.
4: Oh, I just wanted to end with, uh, just like the Star Wars prequels and this podcast, Bioshock Infinite needs some good
1: editors. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Hot take. Wow. I was just sitting back here listening, not ready for the attack that was about to come my
4: way. Um, I wrote leash. that, and I was like, man, that's,
1: that's totally unfair. Eh, I'll say it I'm anyways. leaving it in. Yeah, well, all I'm going to say is that, for better or for worse, there is an artistic vision that is behind the lack of editing of this podcast. It's to give a natural tone and have a conversational sort of honest thing where no one, you know, gets to redo their thoughts and, you know, show themselves off as perfect. Every We're human beings. Like that sentence I just did, you're going to fuck words up. Uh, and that's okay. So that's the... That's yeah, can
3: the... we edit all that out? Just actually everything you've said.
1: Okay, yeah, let's do that. But the, the great part is Damn. that I actually just don't put Adam's audio in. That's why James is like, oh, he sounds just as good as last time. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just me doing an Adam voice. <laughs> No, no, but yeah, uh, so, James, one thing I want to Adam, say is I, I don't know about this totally, but I'm curious if yeah. they changed the name Infinite during their process. Because I actually wonder if their writing was like, The very beginning they had nailed in, and then the very end they had nailed in. And then they were just sort of like, what interchangeable piece do we want for the filler in the middle? Maybe I'll do uh, Occupy Wall Street. Maybe I'll do a revolution. Maybe I'll do politics. Maybe I'll do – that's kind of how it felt to me because I'm not – and I have no basis for that other than my feeling. But when I was playing through, I kept thinking, I don't really think this is the story they care about. Like, when are they going to get to what they actually care about? Once you get to the end, you're like, oh, yes – This is what they wanted to talk about. This is what they wanted to write about. This is where they wanted to set the universe. And I feel like this DLC, as we're getting into, it just takes where they set themselves up and it just runs with it. And it runs with it in a beautiful, Mm. totally self-contained way, like you're talking about, James. That's just so awesome. They were able to maintain their artistic vision for each piece from start to finish. And you really notice it. You're like, this is the edited game, whether it was forced that way because of time constraints or money constraints or that it, the fact that it's DLC, so it's got to be shorter. Who knows? But whatever the factors were, they forced themselves into this constrained less time and they were able to execute on what they actually wanted without this just weird, weird side tangents in the middle that are sort of like almost like you know, tricking you like, oh, I'm going left. No, I'm going right. No, I'm going left. Ah, here's the real story. It's like, no, they just kept straight to it and took you where they wanted to go. And and I appreciate that so much about this DLC. Yeah,
2: it definitely feels yeah. like yeah. it's, it's what they wanted infinite to be. And unfortunately
3: it didn't yeah. pan out that way exactly with the, uh, the original game. Mm-hmm. The contained scope really helps a lot. Um, cause it's them being smaller allows them to kind of get where they're going without filler. Um, Although I felt it was interesting. Uh, the first DLC felt muddled to me in just in terms of like the mechanics, the story was fine and it had, it, it went where it needed to go and was good in that way. Um, But, like, mechanically, it's like, okay, are we Bioshock 1 or are we Bioshock 2? And also, is anyone going to bother explaining any of this?
1: God, because they are not going to explain it to you. And it is going to be you searching on a forum why you can't pick up that goddamn weapon on the ground. And then they're going to say, oh, it's actually hold the weapon switch key. And I'm like, but my weapon switch key is a scroll wheel. I can't hold that. And then they're like, okay, assign it (laughs) to a different thing. And then you'll be able to get access to these weapons that you've had in your inventory the whole time. And it's like, yeah, that happened to, I think, probably all of us. I'm guessing all Is of us. Is that accurate
3: to say? Yeah. Um, I don't
0: know. I just followed the directions on screen that said, hold E to access your weapon inventory. Yeah, I didn't I get like, that one. Oh neat.
3: I got that, that later. That.
1: I got that later, like, probably three or four hours later in a flitting, like, little tooltip. And I was like, Elena, what did you just see? And she was like, I think it was like, you know, use this to switch your weapons. I'm like, no, I think it said, hold it. Didn't it say hold it? And she's like, I don't know. And I was like, I think it said hold it.
3: I need to look this up right now. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's that. They also change the, vig- like, what the vigors do. Uh, and they don't just, like, don't tell you what they are. Like, in the first, in, in Bioshock Infinite, they did a good job of, like, you know, if you do this, then you'll get this effect. And if you do the other thing, you get the other effect. And in this, they start you with um, Devil's Kiss and with Possession. And they behave quite differently. You can't set Possession Traps. Um, yes, you can. I didn't let me. That's interesting. I was
0: able to set possession
3: traps. <laughs> maybe maybe it didn't work because of the way I did it somehow. It in any hacker. case, uh, yeah. in the first place, so they also because the enemies don't kill themselves traps. afterwards. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, we all spoke themselves all afterwards. at once. And cool. uh, yeah, fireball. I think just kind of behaves a little bit differently. um Most of the other ones behave like in adjacent but different ways. Right. uh which I think is ultimately for good. They changed the weapons. Like they quite are dramatically. I, like, isn't it kind of cool
1: that they're Which taking fine, different stuff with the plasmids? Because like we had so it, the plasmids were so blase in Infinite. Like it's cool oh, that they're yeah, taking no. them in different directions. But I totally agree. They do not do that sort of like, hey, we made you a little uh, Fallout Three style like animated cutscene thing that's going to tell you how it. It wasn't really like that. It was for later ones you pick up, but for the initial, you're definitely just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They're changing shit up, and I don't exactly know what's different. I did.
0: I did think it was cool, though, um, like one little cool detail of the game at the very beginning when... um when you wake up and Elizabeth is uh, in your office asking you to look for this girl named Sally and you finally get to light that dame cigarette with incendiary. You see him flick his fingers and then you see devil's kiss in your inventory, which it's a little sad that it didn't work the Mm. same way as incendiary and Bioshock does. In fact, I think the first thing I did when I entered the one part of Frank Fontaine's department store that was frozen, I think I... Tried yeah, to yes. at, like throw a fireball on it, thinking Me it too. was going to behave like incendiary, and I was like, "Oh fuck, no! <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's 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 Devil's Kiss, no!" Yeah, but uh, yeah, I I want to get on the the play style of of uh, the DLC because I. It's a departure from the playstyle that was so often criticized in Infinite as being just this, you know, bullet sponge, you know, just mowing down enemies, very quick paced game. In fact, Adam, I believe you said you wanted to speedrun this game and you did not get that. Well, um, this I game to is very much, two, uh, which well, is, yes,
1: yeah. yeah, that's not gonna work, but <laughs> work it is, out.
0: a... It is very interesting that the first combat experience you have in this DLC, wh- upon entering Frank Fontaine's department store, is like you have a hand cannon, a hand cannon, and you have like three bullets, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> and it's already like blinking red, and you're like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> like, where's some ammo? And then you're like going around, you're searching everywhere. And unlike Infinite, there's you know there's not eight hundred dollars in a trash can. In fact. Frank Fontaine's department store looting scene is very much true to the setting itself. It's like very barren. You're definitely, it's a more scrappy play style, uh, which is a departure from Infinite. And I, I, that's intentional to the game setting as well as just, I think how they want you to feel the combat experience being in it, uh, in, in Rapture. Mm -hmm. uh, That, you know, which also kind of just harkens back to, you know, I didn't see as much passion with the Columbia police and fighting them because loot was plenty and you could just, you know, you were never really that low on salts unless you completely spam your abilities. And then you're down in Rapture against these, you know, early versions of Splicers, um... And, yeah, like, it's a much more scrappy version of play. You're constantly low on salts or you're low on money or you're low on health. And Elizabeth isn't really helping you as much as she used to. In fact, she's not really tossing coins at you anymore like she so often did before.
4: Oh, I For heard a good question reason. about She Elizabeth. hates your
0: guts. But <clears throat> go
4: ahead. So I found her extremely frustrating to use to, like, get health and stuff. Because, like, she would be like, I've got some health, like, the second before I click on somebody's head to end the uh, combat. And then she's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, no, you don't need that anymore. That's that's fine.
0: So... I kind of think that's intentional, though, because that happened to me a lot, where literally I'd be on my last enemy and she'd be like, I have some health. And you're like, wait, no, come back. And she kind of just saunters away like, haha, no. And then you're Um, just
4: like stuck with no health, like, please don't put me into another combat. I'm going to die. Yes.
0: But she hates your guts. Like, you... I think it's kind of some nice, whether it was intentional or not, it's some nice storytelling of this Elizabeth doesn't really want to help you. She wants you to suffer. Mm -hmm. And I feel like... That's a good point. I'm curious if that was, you know, intentional from the game staff to be like, you know, she's going to be a lot harder to, like, convince to get you stuff. And, like... You know, I died a lot more in this first section of the DLC than I think I've ever died in Infinite, Mm -hmm. um, mainly because of that scarcity. So Mm -hmm. I'm very curious if that's intentional or not.
1: It is funny, though, as game players, we always find the way around it. I remember I was playing and I was... Like there was, like James was saying, there's one last guy. I've got my hand cannon on him. I'm trained in. She says, hey, I've got something for you. I like do a bunny hop to like jump over 10 things to get behind cover so that she can toss it to me. And then I kill the guy. Like, <laughs> it's like she's signaling to me, like, I've got some ammo. And I'm like, you've got ammo? Holy fuck. Like, <laughs> oh my God, I need it. Like, <laughs> please. Um, but Yeah. Dude, I I personally, I know my one of my not criticisms, but one of my disappointments with Infinite was just the plentiful resources. And I was fucking so in on the like the way that the resources constrain you and the way they make you feel like this is just going to be a harder, more thoughtful uh, experience. I will say, though, I know maybe Zoe picked up on this or maybe I missed it, but All I can say is just that I I did not initially know that I had the Bioshock 1 style of weapons where you have all of them and you can switch between them, the weapon wheel, uh, especially because they still use the same mechanism for your quick switch. So it's not like you cycle through all of the weapons, which would be traditional for a scroll reel. You only cycle through two and it only displays two on screen. So there's like a lot of indicators that it's the same system as Infinite. And I just remember trying to play the scarce resource game with only two weapons and if you can't switch them you can't pick up another one if you already have it so i got like i was at one point with like shotgun and then like radar ray for like a significant portion of the game <laughs> just like
3: please help me and i like
1: <laughs> i know it's, it's just silly but it is interesting because they definitely decided we're gonna switch up gameplay In X, Y, Z reasons, we're going to switch ways. Like, we're going to switch plasmids, we're going to switch resource scarcity. And it's just it's interesting because I I really like that they do that and they gave themselves that. Like, well, let's just re-envision this from the ground up. But it's funny because no matter what, it was going to be weird and different. Because either, like, the plasmids in infinite proper are already very different from the plasmids in rapture. And so then when you're back in rapture, you're like, do the plasmids behave like rapture? Or do they behave like infinite? And they're like, neither. (laughs)
3: Yeah, which is I think this is kind of what I was saying. Why it's like a little confused, but I think it's vastly improved. It feels like they made a better game on top of BioShock Infinite's engine, and for some reason didn't tell you about the changes. Yes, yes. Um, Like the encounter design is vastly improved. Um, Like the they added that scavenging thing, which didn't really fit with the way they're like the shooting gallery gameplay they were going for in Infinite. That's really more like a power fantasy kind of thing. Um, whereas in, you know, Bioshock, it's more interesting in a lot of ways, and it engages with the world and makes you care about what's in the world. They brought that back. Um, so you have the scavenging stuff, um, The despite the encounters not being as much of set pieces because you've got splicers respawning and wandering around, um, and they can't really like plan around, this is what you're doing. The encounter design was still better because they just actually didn't do anything with the encounter design in Infinite. Um, They just had shooting galleries that were all the same and didn't engage with the enemy types or the environment in particularly interesting or meaningful ways. Um, There's a lot more environmental hazards. Um, So, like, you get to use the plasmids, and they also did a really good job of embodying the plasmids, which uh, Infinite just, like, made no attempt at all to do. You know, they had that bucking bronco. The intention here is that you use it to lift up your couch because it's too heavy, Um, and, like old man winter you can use this to cool yourself because we have overheating bathyspheres oh oh like the beginning and the very beginning where they do the bartender who's jumping around he's yes you know what i'm saying it's like yeah this is a Houdini yeah, splacers, Houdini's that's splicing. why teleportation i mean okay yeah why would teleportation be useful but like this is its place in society it's not just for weirdos to hop around and shoot fireballs at you and if you're if you're watching um, that guy for a while he uses a number of platmans he teleports uh
1: he he pices someone's yes, drink yes and he, he lights, lights someone's, someone's cigarette yes, exactly yeah i was i was looking at that and being like oh this is that fucking rad creep me out by the way <clears throat> yeah it's partially because the like, teleportation the plasmid fuck? has an evil feel to it because it was only previously up to that point used for evil it, purposes
2: it looks exactly like when you blow someone up with the ray gun like that red like burst when they teleport <laughs> you're just like they're oh my dying.
3: god they're just they're like particles and stuff they're you're not know. dying they're just teleporting away yeah. it's okay yeah oh my god that's funny when they crazy teleport
1: mess. you're like are, sir are you oh okay yep yep dude speaking of like things that they only use for one purpose and then later like had to try to shoehorn it into another purpose i feel like all of their children models are like like all their girl models are like little sisters first and then like normal girls second You know, so you're like looking at the normal girl, and you're like, "Oh my god, it's a creature!" No, no, it's a normal girl. Okay, we're good. But like,
2: like or how the the little boy just looks like a shrunken down man. (laughs) Oh my my god, God. that's like Renaissance renaissance (laughs) painting children. Do you even know what children look like? (laughs) Yes
0: yeah <laughs> i honestly that's that's gotta men, be a right? prank by the game developer right like there's just some guy that's like let's just make a shrunken down man child and see who notices, so. and then you come across and you're like jesus christ
3: <laughs> <laughs> yep. i did kind of find it entertaining how like elizabeth's face structure is just like so wildly different from everyone else like if you look at yeah. the ordinary women running around rapture or, or uh columbia they're like ah, uh, yes a reasonable if low poly Human being, this is fine, and then she's just like jams her face right up in your grill, and it's like, look at me, I am a Disney princess. Yeah, yep, yeah. <laughs> <And> they kind of <laughs> like, had to. Well, you got to be able to find her in like, a sea of people. Your eyes like- are like baseballs. This is bad. <laughs> yeah, they. So okay.
0: like, oh no, you continue. I was gonna move. I mean, on.
1: yeah, I was. I was also gonna move on, but just to say that I, I, I thought I'd actually. I'm curious to see, because it's interesting if you now think about the ammo switch, sorry, the gun switching as intentional, maybe quickly explained or maybe not explained to everyone at first or who knows, but at least at minimum quickly explained. At first, when I started playing the DLC, I was like, oh my God, this is a buggy nightmare. And it actually wasn't really a buggy nightmare. It was a buggy nightmare. Nope. Well, sometimes I definitely did. Oh, for me, it was. <laughs> okay. Okay like what um, bugs did you encounter i'm curious i've, I've got a short so list so but...
2: for me it was a lot of getting stuck on like every object i could yes including elizabeth who would sit yeah. in the doorway yep
1: and you're like dude chill
2: yeah i'm like it, you that, oh yeah that, was that so needed like the uh like fallout new vegas where you could talk to your companion it would bring up like that dialogue wheel mm-hmm. and you could choose backup
4: because <laughs> there's, <yeah>, there's
2: tons <laughs> of options like instances where i would like yeah she'd block a doorway and i'm like excuse me <laughs> um <laughs> I also don't know if this is like a bug or just like for added difficulty, but it's not really super consistent. But uh, when fighting the splicers, a lot of times, like, you know, I do like a melee to like kind of like stagger them or whatever. Yes. And they would do the stagger animation, but I would still get hit by a melee attack. Yeah. And like have my health like halved because I was playing on hard. Yes so i was like son of a bitch is generous
1: sometimes they would just 100 zero
2: you in one hit it's ridiculous yeah um Mm. and then i actually had an encounter with just the game basically broke Mm. twice where i was in the department stores um it's in that section where like you you get i think it was old man winter and then you go back down to the uh to the main floor and it's the part where you take down that elevator then you land on top of that uh safe that you can open. Um but there was like a safe upstairs that I needed to grab that I didn't have enough lock picks for, so I was like, okay, I'm gonna go back up. So I go through the process of going back up and I get to like that room that was like iced over and there's like two airlock doors. Hmm. And I'd go through the one.
0: Oh my the, god. The
2: back one would close. I'd go to the next one, it's like, oh, activate the airlock. I was like, cool. And it just got stuck there. Oh it would just infinitely load.
0: <laughs> that 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 is a actual like I that happened to me, and then I was watching a Let's Play before this, and the exact same mm-hmm. thing happened to him. And what I'm guessing is the exact same. Yeah, location. it happened to me like, twice. There's it's just like... one where the airlock just turns infinitely, yep. and then Elizabeth's just staring at you like,
2: "Yeah, I was like I thanks. <laughs> thanks, Ken Levine.'
1: Real cool game you made. Yeah, tweet him quick. Uh, yeah, I also got <laughs> stuck on a number of geometry, like, uh, not 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 a number, but in two separate instances, I got stuck uh, soft lock which is the speed running term for the game is still running, but it is impossible for you to progress or move. Yeah. Um, and so it was just like, oh, oh shit. And, but it was one of those things of like, okay, what I think is so fascinating about this DLC is that there, there's these bugs we've talked about. And there's one more that I'd like to touch on, but generally like that did not detract that much from my experience. I was down to like, go and push through that. I was down to reload, lose 10 minutes because our goddamn checkpoint system and then like go forward again um the one mm-hmm. last bug i want to bug i want to touch on <clears throat> is with rebinding keys there is an inconsistent behavior that i've now actually been able to track down what it actually is it took me a long time to actually track it down but when you so for instance the the use interact key is by default f and fuck that dude it's e for me that's so i always change it every game. <laughs> it's e mm-hmm. um that's what i know to do that's what i know will open doors that's what i know or whatever so i change it to e but what's interesting is when you go in to loot someone take all the take all is F yep. and E does not change with that bind mm-hmm. and as a result i'd press on a body press e again and yep. then for and some just reason, exit yeah so it yep. does so so what it does is it swaps your weapons which is the default yep. bind for your weapon swap key which is the thing you're supposed to hold to get that weapon menu so for some reason when you're looting someone it like takes the default behavior for all the keys just for that particular instance yeah. so it's like this nightmare mode where you click on someone or you start looting someone and all of a sudden you have the default key bindings for like at least a couple of things so i was constantly swapping weapons or meleeing or whatever on accident because my melee key is f yep and so it was just like it was constantly moving those things all over the place and making it really really hard to actually just loot people and loot things which was just so
2: bizarre i would have the same thing of like looting someone forgetting that it was e then f Mm -hmm. so then i would hit e open the body close the body then like brain spasm and be like oh god what do i do and just like spam e more so i'm just sitting there like switching between two <laughs> weapons in front of a dead body like
1: oh yeah or like for me like <laughs> melee on accident like i'm stealthing around in the second section then i'm just mailing the wall like god damn it yep. i look looking around like okay yellow people no, okay, I, I did cool, that a cool. lot of
2: times too like loot something and just melee the ground or melee it
1: and i was like oh so outside of that though to transition away from that i just want to say that i it did not stop me these bugs did not stop me but i did sit there going like this is driving me up the motherfucking wall
2: I, but- I i will admit that i yes i still found it enjoyable but this was not the same for me as bioshock infinite records like play through the whole section like just go go ham this is yeah. definitely like okay i need to stop and go do something else for a while because
1: <laughs> i'm tilted i'm getting, I'm getting the- a little
2: bit flustered
1: <laughs> fair enough
4: fair enough so was it's that? It's definitely was that, a
0: more meticulous yeah. style. Was that yeah.
4: for both DLCs or just for the first one?
1: It was for me. It was both. Or for for me, it was both one. as well. Yeah, for that specific huh. bind. Uh, and then, in fact, they even changed the binds further for the second DLC, where they introduce health packs again. Yep. Um, where then I needed to have that health pack thing, and I moved through, whatever. But, I,
2: I can understand why they did yeah. it because yeah. like you're
1: playing as different people, and
2: it you know they would uh, assumably in real life have different styles to their yeah how they go about it but it did as a as a gamer yeah it did kind of infuriate me that's like the same game and you have all these different control schemes and like different styles for the game yeah just from yeah. one instance i to think another. it was
3: cool i think it was cool but i also would have appreciated any manner of explanation <laughs> yes i mean again like apparently they did explain that you're allowed to switch weapons um i didn't see it i didn't either and i think many other people didn't either um,
0: I mean, it is like a little just tooltip that flashes across the screen. And let's be honest, like you kind of start to phase those out after a while when like maybe it's because kind I of turned like what mine McCoy off was saying well, like,
3: when it told me to use a fire oh. trap on that crow guy who was hitting me with this sword. That, that I mean, awesome. honestly, though, I think it's also uh, just like random chance of when they pop up.
2: Because I definitely have had that
0: like it popped up for me. Like, it popped up for me when I was trying to pick up a hand cannon again. I saw, like, a splicer with a hand mm. cannon, and I was like, oh, I'd like that back, please. And then I was, like, looking at it, and I was like, I can't pick <laughs> it up. I want to swap out my shotgun. Yep. And then, like, it just kind of says, like, hold down E to access your weapon wheel. And I was like, wait, what the Dude, fuck? Dude, that is so their <laughs> like, dream
1: that it happened at that moment. But I wonder <laughs> if it didn't happen at that Elegant of a moment for the rest of us because holy mother of god, did it take me a long time to figure that out? And I was crouching on top of hand cannons, sitting there, being like, Please, please, I know you're trying to punish me for having the like, you know, the willingness to try another weapon, the creativity of another weapon. I'm sorry, the hand (laughs) cannon is everything, it's God. No, it sucked in the the deal. I'm so sorry, but it's what's yeah,
3: it's like Bioshock One handgun.
1: Well, that's the thing though, you look at some of these decisions they look at it and they went okay we have a hand cannon which in infinite is a one-shot headshot to pretty much everyone and then they have the pistol the default pistol which like even if you upgrade just seems to suck after a while and they were like this is a smaller contained experience fuck the pistol that's a clear decision that shows it's similar to a lot of the other decisions they made here where they were like the hand cannon's the cool one let's keep that and they did that with a lot of things they were like oh well, these are the cool plasmids it's the that would cool be relevant one. Here. let's neuter it <laughs> yeah they did neuter it (laughs) there. hand cannoning someone to the face and then being like oh i need three more and i only have by the way they lessened your clip size yeah not your clip size but your reserve Mm. they lessened your reserve so you're constantly like i can only hold 12 shots i better be good about this and then they're like three headshots
2: i also like how it falls into the the age-old video game trope of if the enemy doesn't know you're there your bullets do more damage (laughs) because like you if they like if you're stealth. (laughs) And you shoot someone and like kills them, but if they know you're there and you shoot them like in the face, they're like, "Yeah, whatever." <laughs> what happened? I'm a sponge. <laughs> like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't notice that in the first DLC because I just,
4: I was like, uh, "Fuck this, let's kill them all," and just like ran through and murdered everybody. At a boy. <laughs> um, but it really bothered me in the second DLC. The like little thing like i really liked that it kind of forced you to do stealth and i enjoyed doing stealth but the things that it did when you weren't in stealth were like bothersome mm-hmm. to me um yeah like the fact that like your your feeble girl arms couldn't actually deal damage to people with melee <laughs> yeah i didn't like, think of it in that way that's the way it but... felt like hmm. they were they were describing like like, yeah, she can't do damage with melee, and it's like I just came from the d l. c where you could just murder people with a skyhook, also yeah, you have like, you have that skyhook right, which can do those brother. execute moves on people, so in theory right, exactly I mean, it's just I think like she, she just want to kill she just can't that much? and it's not like she, she's she, not killing people with her guns, yeah, right, she just doesn't do it with melee. And then also, like, your bullets deal less damage because you're a girl, apparently, to the (laughs) uh,
0: fucking big daddies.
4: (laughs) Like, why can't you you kill big daddies?
0: uh, You you can't fight the big daddy in the second chapter.
4: (laughs) Right. But, like, you have all the same weapons that you did in Bioshock 1. Like, you should be able
1: to fight the I was also annoyed that
2: the big daddy was, like, automatically hostile to you. Mm. Like in the rest of Bioshock, it's like they just ignore you unless if you like get right in their face, or you ha- attack them or harm the little sister. Or in Although this Is one, it did because kill you.
0: though that Big Daddy killed Elizabeth prior, so like maybe it's like some maybe. weird like mm. object permanence <laughs> thing of like Elizabeth <laughs> equals hostile. I remember <laughs> I her know. face. Like
1: if she goes behind honestly, the wall, honestly, I think it's
4: just it's just that. They made game design de- design decisions that actually make a lot of sense, and I think if they could have gone back and done Bioshock one over again, they probably would have made it more like that DLC. Um, mm-hmm. Then,
0: yeah, it definitely looked like the DLC was like the Rapture, the updated Rapture they wish they could have gone with. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. Wasn't too bothered by Elizabeth's, um, fighting style or lack thereof in some respects. Like, I do think it's, like, kind of a cool little, like, I I do think it's a cool little detail that, like, Elizabeth struggles to reload a hand cannon as quickly as Booker maybe does. Like, because if you're handling, I don't know, like, I don't know if you guys have ever, like, handled guns before, but, like... When Brandon handles, like, a pistol versus me handling the same pistol, like, we both treat it differently because it's for... A big purse like it's it's for a adult male and i am a like smaller female
1: wow laying it down and so
0: like i do think that's like a
4: <laughs> you you didn't need to well, expose that to our i'm just yeah, okay. saying like way to be sexist can you also not deal damage melee <laughs> damage to uh people that know you're there well okay but like well, booker
0: <laughs> but i think i think the like but i think that has to deal with like the recoil like uh like, I don't know. Like, she her, her recoil for the shots are a lot more, like, pronounced for those. Um, and, you know, I think that also leads to inaccuracy with the shots. Like, it just didn't bother me yeah. as much. Like, it was annoying. So, and I hate well, stealth games as much as the last part. Like, I don't know. I'm not a stealth game kind of person. But, like, I just thought that was a cool detail that... She and Booker don't handle guns the same way or handle the skyhook the same way. I think
3: it's also worth noting that Booker is like a professional soldier and like Pinkerton guy. And like, That's true. if you get the things for it, you reload the hand cannon in like, yeah, (laughs) uh, it's you can reload the hand cannon in like a quarter of a second, which is absurd. That's like Um, YouTube highlight level of like reload speed. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) And he's also like a huge brute. And that was kind of made a point of in the first one. So, like, she kind of does have feeble girl arms, but that's also in comparison to Ubermensch Booker, the 12-foot-tall giant with extreme gun skills. Yeah, but couldn't you...
0: Enhance you... the size of Elizabeth's face. True. Yeah.
3: Couldn't you also argue uh, that the whole point of this game and
2: this series was to turn Elizabeth into a killer? Huh? Uh Huh? Uh, uh, she yes. was getting there? Yeah. Well, keep yes, in mind, she is also
1: paradoxically given the most powerful weapon in the game, which is the sleep dart. Also... No, it is. What the it's fuck was go. up with the lie? Yeah. It's kill. incredible. It's what turns so- <laughs> a girl
4: into a woman? Blood, my friend.
1: Well, James.
4: <laughs> like, I get when that. When a girl but comes like, of James- age. No, no, no. Let's, let's, like, this podcast. No, let's have the, explain can it. Can I just the not historical- be on this podcast anymore? <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm out You're, too. you're more than welcome. If, you know, listen, <laughs> this is a uh, consensual podcast. You can't eat not Listen, hey.
4: Like, the historical context for that comment, I was like, really? That's where you're going with this? And then it's like blood, like murdering people, and I was like, "Yeah, no, I get that as well." But that's where you're going with this? I don't know. I thought it was
2: strange. Zoe is the only girl here. Please. So, what
0: what do you mean by? (laughs) Well, so I guess what do what do you mean by that's where they're going? Like, are you confused? No, I'm not confused. (laughs) I'm just.
4: (laughs) It's like that's not what I mean. There's there's a a double meaning to to blood in this circumstance.
3: James is getting the sex ed think... talk today.
1: Yeah, wait, so you guys, like, wait, do you cut yourself? Or, like, what happens?
3: <laughs> yeah, re- remember, when you're going in to have coitus with someone, make sure to sign a contract. That's the rapture way. Oh, yeah. Oh, actually so cool. I love that so much. I turned to Elena, actually, and I was like,
1: right? And she was like, we've been doing it so wrong.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, it was that, and then also, like, I like I was so enthralled with the rapture world building in terms of listening to people's conversations so I literally went around and listened yep. to everybody and one of the guys is like I got spliced up in a special way that can uh, pleasure you in all the right places and she was just like oh Charles and I'm just like holy shit <laughs> like what did I walk into my to? dick
3: can vibrate on command yeah exactly <laughs> <You> can apart. <teleport. laughs>
0: Well, and then she's like, you know, I'm sure we can uh, get the contract sent to you by end of the day today. And I was like, wait, what? But if you can play that to
1: Columbia, <laughs> though, Columbia was all about, like, the like the guys, like, just trying to kiss the girls and the girls being like, no, stop. In this, like, weird sort of rapey way, where it's just like,
2: Columbia was all about the preservation of the white race. <laughs> I guess
1: so. But it's just like, in Rapture, yeah. there's like, they, they kind of go a little bit further into this, like, eh, fuck it. Like let's have let's have some weird fucking crazy sex after this weird ballroom was, drinking thing. It was like the late
3: fifties, early sixties, man. Is that the difference? Is it just the time yeah. period? Nineteen twelves versus nineteen sixties <laughs> is it's a there's a bit of a cultural change. <laughs> ah, interesting. Uh, also, like very objectivism true. versus like Rapture appears to be you know ideally a very egalitarian city. I don't know if you guys noticed, but there's just like kind of casually a gay couple right in the very beginning. There's um,
0: a couple gay couples. Hmm. Yeah.
3: And like there's there's I found it entertaining that um, at least for the first chunk, uh, all the black men seem to be very dismissive of you. And I was like, hmm, that's that's a choice. And it's like, oh, aha, you're Comstock. So you're probably addicted to them. And that's why they don't like you. <laughs> like it's like some sort <laughs> weird memory they have where in another universe you were a dick to them or you're still fucking racist because you're Comstock. You're yeah, like, probably that one. Although it's weird that Booker. Yeah, yeah, probably um, that one dude there's a twist I actually really really loved that whole section that first section Mm -hmm. I spent so much time on Mm -hmm. just listening to all the conversations and they like get into you know they're talking about objectivism and like what the society means and they get back to that kind of sci-fi sociological experiment kind of thing that was their strength um, because they didn't care about really developing Colombia. they didn't care about developing like what it means to be there they just like didn't hit on any of that and Colombia is fucking boring as a result Um, so they were like, okay, we're going to hit you with like, it took me, I want to say like an hour, maybe an hour and a half to get through like just that first chunk where there's no combat. You don't have a health bar or anything. You're just listening to people and like looking at the world of Rapture. Um, maybe I'm wildly overestimating the time it took me to do that, but
0: no, I, I honestly think it took me a good hour to get through that. And it's like, I don't know. There, there's a sense of wonderment when you're looking, you're going through a Rapture that's alive, um. You know, because you only experience it after the fact, after the Cashmere attack, um, and everyone's either spliced up or dead. And like, there's just something about seeing everybody, you know, using the things that you used in Bioshock, but being used for their actual purpose, you know, seeing, you know, the real effects of plasmids, you know, you see Rapture Records, like, alive and thriving, and you see, you know, I... You know remember the first time I walked over the threshold and just saw Cohen's Garden of Eden, and I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, Like you see all those dancing yeah. rabbit mask people, and I was just like, "Oh my God, yes, we're doing this right now and so like it's it's really cool what they did with that first part, and I'm glad that they give you that time to you know just simply walk around." and look at everything and listen to conversations and unlike infinite where like as Gabe complained about a couple episodes ago where you walk up to somebody they say their one yeah. line of dialogue and then they just kind of stare at you absentmindedly i noticed this time in the dialogue like they say different lines if you walk if you encounter them a second time hmm. um so you can walk up to them walk away and then come back and they say something you know something different or something additional to what they said before
3: yeah
0: um it was a cool part of it. And uh Yeah. And can I just have a fangirl moment if for I a second? No,
1: is
3: that gonna no. be Yeah, cause... exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no Please,
3: please. I want to get it. <laughs> Tell us about how much you love Sander Cohen.
0: Oh, I was so yeah. happy we got oh, to yeah. see Sander Cohen in the flesh oh, and yeah. blood. Like it's so cool, you know, from the moment you walk in and you're in pitch black darkness and that first kind of semi jump scare of the rabbit mask light just like popping out at you. And then just like seeing Sander Cohen painting as he's getting, having his people dance for his muse and, you know, just him being an absolute maniac Um, and, you know, electrocuting people at a party because they just didn't do what he wanted them to do. Um but there's just, you know, this game is, uh, the the visuals are still oh, yeah. stunning in this DLC. Um, and I'm glad they brought those visuals to Rapture because it's just, you know, just seeing the detail in Sander Cohen's face, him up close, and him just kind of that kind of crazy-eyed, painted-on-mustachioed kind of character. It just kind of made me, like, you know, fall in love with the character all over again. It's like... They, I feel like this is what you know, kind of harkening back to what we said before. This is kind of what they wanted to do. I feel like they wanted to kind of create, you know, flesh out some of these characters even more than they had in the previous. Yeah. And so I was really glad that they had us like have a brief moment with Sander, but an effective one. Yeah, nonetheless. they spent
1: so, so. much. I think I actually think this all starts. At the very end of bioshock infinite where they take you to rapture the point where you injected the plasmid for the first time they take you to that point just for a minute as they're trying to unravel this uh crazy ending to that story and when you look at that you sit there and you're like my god does this look good and it's not just it looks good because it's rapture in high def we were playing the remastered bioshock one it didn't look like this there's something else there's a little bit of love That they put into it that takes it that extra level where you're like oh like this isn't just bioshock infinite this is like another level of beautiful on top of that and another level of love for the original bioshock and respect and sort of homage that they're paying and the second you get into the dlcs you were like oh my god this is what they were hiding they were just showing us a little glimpse of this at the very end of that game but this is what they were working on and this is like like listen People always say, like, God, like, you know, Bioshock Infinite's so beautiful. And it is beautiful, but I think it has aged a lot in terms of the graphics department, where a lot of it kind of runs together. But this Bioshock section, at least the set pieces that they put out, are just stunning. Like, the graphics that they have in terms of, like you said, Cohen, when you go in there and there's, like, that crazy uh, brick, or not brick, sorry, uh, stone hallway. It's, like, all gray, and there's, like, a, just, like, weird, like, light uh, lighting, and, like, Obviously all of the places with the um at the very beginning like that you just like walk through in terms of like the bar or whatever with the bartender like just jumping around but and like these neon signs they have literally everywhere or you go into this like somewhat porno shop or you go into the like this that and it's just like they really just did such a great job at realizing rapture this time when you go through it. It's amazing like they're from a graphics quote unquote standpoint which is sort of the artistic put together with the technical. It's just like, to me, it was like miles above Bioshock Infinite. Even though that premise is so cool, you're flying through the sky with all this this stuff. This was it. This was it right here. This was something else to me.
0: I feel like they were definitely doing some fan service with this DLC, at least a little bit. Um, Just kind of hearkening back to some characters or just kind of having you realize some things. Like, you know... They didn't have to have Cohen yell at Fitzpatrick to electrocute people, but you realize, you know, oh, Fitzpatrick, oh, you're going to get blown up soon at a piano, and Sandra Cohen's going to be the one to do that. But right now, you're the one doing the electrocuting, but like... it's patrick like Mm, yeah (laughs) i don't yeah and like uh i don't know there's also just when you know when atlas is first revealed in this second portion of the dlc you know he's leaning down and you're like whoa like that's who you are like you actually don't look half bad like look at you (laughs) i'm so proud of you (laughs) there's
3: what a handsome boy Much better than that weird naked naked man that I wrenched to death earlier. Yes, exactly. Or Fontaine, (laughs) interestingly enough. Like
1: (laughs) Yeah, well I mean But there's so much fan service. Like but what's interesting about this is they don't just do Bioshock again. They don't just say, Here are your favorite characters, I'm doing it again. They really do have a novel spin on it this time around for like every character. They add a little bit of extra elements, a little bit of extra depth, a little bit of just difference, just novelty. And and maybe not necessarily always depth, but at least something new, uh, especially with Cohen, but essentially with everyone. And it's awesome. Like they have so much, yeah. they put so much time and work into saying, and it's so great for us. I think just played Bioshock, it's fresh in all of our minds, but they're like, do you remember all those people you loved in Bioshock? We loved them too. But not just like here they are again, like it's like some puppet show, like, and here's Cohen. It was like they actually did extra stuff with them that really makes them stand out and it makes it a unique new experience. And they kind of wrap it all into this unraveling infinite storyline that they're doing. And they so they sort of like both harken back to all those old things that, you know, and it feels just like Bioshock again. But then they actually do entangle that into this crazy alternate universe thing and they make it feel so fresh and new so you're like i have no idea what the fuck is happening despite the fact that i'm literally in the past in a place i know very well And i just think that's so
3: fucking rad yeah they really expanded on rapture like this is what like a good sequel sort of looks like and it helps that rapture is interesting whereas columbia isn't um like they they took us back to where they had made a good world and they took us back to where they had written good characters and that was nice Uh, and they also like weren't it wasn't a shooting gallery and they were very upfront about that yep Um, there's that section in uh, like the second half of the first DLC isn't even that but it's the closest it gets so like they were working a little bit against the engine but they made the changes that they needed to and like the DLCs, I think, are probably the best Bioshocks that I've seen so far, um, in terms of like uh having the gameplay work with the themes and the messaging and um have the uh encounter design work really well. Um and it just kinda was all very good. Even though I didn't actually finish entirely the second section, sorry, it was a busy week. This is like eight hours Dude, of it's DLC. a ton. I actually was playing through it and I was like, huh, yeah, maybe we could have split it, but
1: I'm I'm glad we have a lot of content to get through. I'm glad we're doing it in one, but I think this is a great opportunity. I, I, Zoe, this is so on the spot, but do you want to give us a little rundown okay. of like the story maybe from in terms of where it unravels? I know you just like, honestly, last week you did an incredible job. Wow. At, <laughs> what? Sorry. Is that bad?
0: I was going to say, it just so happens I have a flowchart. Oh, but, no, but this is <laughs> so
1: great because this can help get Adam on the same page with us as we start to talk about where it takes the story, as we start to talk about how the story flows through these DLCs and sort of where it leaves off.
0: Right. So, do you want a rundown of the first part and the story? Dude, second if you've
1: part, got it, do or it, or just... man.
0: Okay. Because honestly, I feel like the first part doesn't really do much to progress the story. It's more of a complement to where the story has already been in the Infinite world. So like at the end of the first part of the Bioshock DLC you find out that you've actually been Comstock all along and Elizabeth has you know dragged you on this mission to find Sally as some sort of way to get you to remember your past life in Infinite and then you get murdered by a big daddy at the end. Um, So, honestly, for that, I guess it kind of just harkens back to the one scene in Infinite where Booker and Comstock are fighting for Anna between time portals. They're kind of uh, fighting back and forth. And in the logic of constants and variables anna will always lose one part of her so you know in our storyline in infinite anna lost a pinky in other infinites though show you like loses a lock of hair she loses an arm she loses a leg well in this particular instance anna lost her head um so in doing this um you know comstock is horrified. I mean, he literally just beheaded a child for his own personal gains. So he asks the Lutesses to whisk him away into a world free of Bookers and free of coms- Comstocks and free of Annas. Like, he just wants to forget it all. And so the Luteces, uh whisk him away into Rapture because convenient assets are convenient assets, but also, like, it's cool to go back into a world we once knew. Um, and so Comstock... Going into a new reality, um, all of, he begins, uh, his brain begins to manufacture new memories from old. So he kind of forgets the man who he once was, but he manufactures memories. So he kind of goes back to being who he was prior to the baptism, aka Booker. So you know he starts his own PI firm. And for some reason, he's wildly depressed because he beheaded Anna, but he doesn't know that now. Um, So he just drinks and gambles, and along comes a little orphan named Sally, who he decides to take under his wing because, you know, she was cute, and he felt bad for her. Um, He loses Sally during a bout of gambling, and that is where our game starts off. So... The Elizabeth in this first part of the DLC is quote-unquote our Elizabeth, aka the Elizabeth that lost her pinky. And this is the only iteration of Elizabeth that has basically bloodlust for killing all versions of Booker's and Comstocks. And while you might think that by Preventing the baptism from happening, she destroyed all versions of Comstocks and Bookers. There was still some left because Comstock at that point was removed from that universe, having gone to rapture. So she is basically on a hunt to find these, like, time traveling Comstocks and Bookers and just basically kill off every last one. But, you know, for the sake of being a dramatic story, she doesn't want to just come to Rapture and kill him, she honestly wants him to remember what he's done, and she wants him to die a most horrid, painful death, realizing the sins that he's committed. Um, So she leads him on this chase to find Sally, but along the way she's you know trying to get him to hearken back to memories of Infinite, memories of Columbia. Um, So you see those kind of flashbacks that Comstock is having throughout, that kind of bang, bang, like baptism, like, oh my god, like particle fields. And actually a cool little detail I thought was that the, the tears that Elizabeth opens up, all of the tears that she opens up are rapture-related, except for the room where the reveal happens, and all the tears in that room are Columbia-related. And I wonder if that's just kind of another way of Elizabeth to like get him to hearken back to his old life by like giving him reminders of Columbia.
3: Wait, were they? Um, I'm sorry to interrupt, but the first thing I yeah. summoned was a samurai. <laughs> yeah, sorry well, the so, gameplay tears. like terrors. the samurais,
0: like the rapture. <laughs> the the samurais, like the rapture version of the motorized patriot, like I would think, and like in the room where you fight the Big Daddy, like you actually have a motorized patriot. Um, the sky hook that you can bring in is an actual like Columbia sky hook. It's not one of the Rapture sky hooks that I, you use.
3: I, I found um, the Columbia sky hooks elsewhere and Columbia carbines and Columbia supply crates and uh, like the auto turrets. Yeah, the, the auto turret in front of the microwave gun oh, machine. Room I guess is there's auto- that a Columbia auto turret. Okay.
0: Okay. So maybe I'm wrong in, in considering that. I think it's just the motorized Patriot. They just didn't want a samurai fighting a big daddy. I get that. Yeah. Okay. If
3: I were a samurai and there was a big daddy, I'd be like, actually, um, I'm gonna leave. Yeah, and instead. if you were like in my case, honor <laughs> Actually Dame, my favorite would just
1: be he would walk into a wall incessantly, um, instead of fighting anyone. And I'm like, okay, great, <laughs> thanks, man. Um,
0: <laughs> my favorite part was like, in when I was fighting the Big Daddy, I like summon the motorized patriot. I'm just like, get him, Washington, and then I just saw this Big Daddy just like completely like bulldoze over the motorized Patriot like knocked him down and I was like oh shit yeah the big dad they added an element with the big dad <laughs> here
1: which was the the hook that they could shoot or the drill that they could shoot that then they could fly to was that in the original Bioshock I don't recall that no they okay. actually play on that
0: yeah they did the towards them. the
1: end of uh yeah. <clears throat> the
2: second episode hmm. they have a uh, in Su Chong's lab they have like a, a whiteboard that says like the these things are too problematic we're taking them out for like the final product
1: oh interesting because i remember like first encountering that i think it was outside they showed a little example of him flying around repairing the city outside yeah and then i was like okay that's all well and good and then i jump on a skyhook and that motherfucker takes me down (laughs) and i'm like
3: oh good (laughs) god (laughs) yeah the big daddy fight was uh, like more interesting than like the handyman also sort of had a tool to get you off of hooks but their tool was to just jump up and shock the hooks and say no or uh, shock the uh rails and say no more rails for you. And and then you get off the rail and then they jump there in two jumps and they punch the shit out of you. Whereas this one, it's I mean it's basically the same, it's no more hooks or uh no more rails for you, get over here. But it, eh, I think yeah, it's it more interesting
1: better. and more like thematically mm-hmm. fun. So sorry. Go on, Zoe, but I just wanted a quick tangent about yeah. the weird Big Daddy edition, but okay.
0: Oh no. No, I mean, like, it, it was definitely a cool, like, new way to, you know, for some combat. Because, yeah, I just kind of felt like it was, like, trying to get away. And then he would just keep dragging you back. And you're like, uh, shotgun? Um, maybe the heat ray will work on you? Nope, that doesn't work. Like, what are you doing? But, um, but anyway, um, I guess, like, that, that kind of is the end of the first part of the DLC. Just Elizabeth gets Comstock to jog his memory and realize what he's done before she just brutally murders him um, in, you know, a pretty uh, dramatic way. You know, blood on her face. Like, you're... You're not sorry, but you're gonna be. I'm like, oh damn. Got him.
1: <laughs> beer, beer, beer. He's like, Wait, actually, sorry, I don't remember that. And she's like, oh fuck, sorry. Can I take the knife out? Okay, sorry. Yeah, so here's what you did, and uh, here's why you should feel bad. Oh yeah, you're right. Fuck, I did do that. Okay, good. <laughs> Stab in, like. <laughs>
0: The Comstock goes through like a Frank Fontaine moment where suddenly his Booker voice becomes his Comstock voice all of a sudden because oh character reveal like changing voice yeah
1: exactly yeah
0: (laughs) I actually did find that funny like one of the like you it shows like you as Comstock cutting your hair to look like Booker and then like I think at the beginning of the game one woman says like oh like you should report that guy who did that haircut on you like you should ask for a refund that was a, no, it, was,
3: it was an even sicker burn I wrote that down because it was so brutal you're just like walking around minding your own fucking business like you walk into uh, um, I'm trying to find it in my notes here yeah there we go you're just like walking around minding your own goddamn business this lady probably doesn't even know you and she takes one look at you and says whatever that barber did to you I hope he's retained a capable attorney and it's like what the fuck I'm just out shopping what's your deal (laughs) who are you that's a little social pressure there is in Rapture someone has a bad
1: haircut and they're like look dude we're about to fucking eject you out the fucking hatch here if you don't (laughs) fix
3: that shit yeah (laughs) Yeah. and I do enjoy how they like made Booker out to be like some people are like oh like why aren't you coming out to drink with us anymore and then there's like you walk up to a fountain and this lady's like Booker and you're like you just kind of stare at her and then you're like slide past her into the fountain and start scrounging for (laughs) coins and it's like what lady (laughs) the finally the looting is is part of the theme like they took them this long to get
1: there but
0: (laughs) actually i think my favorite was like there's one guy you go up to and he's like oh like are you not playing the ponies no more or something but he like starts out as a german and then his like accent kind of slides into like Scottish, British. All of a sudden, you're like, hmm. It's
3: it's that rapture. Who are accident. you? <laughs> or, uh, rapture accent. Excuse me. Yeah. God, Su Chong's accent. Uh, yeah. Also, <laughs> like, it's just wait.
1: Also, the ponies and rapture. Whole. Oh, they're called seahorses. Sorry. <laughs>
3: yeah. Sorry. Let's go with Adam's idea first. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. What's up? <laughs> no, I'm just confused about the idea of like a pony track and rapture. Yeah, that is weird. Like. I mean, clearly, they don't really, like, they're not worried about space down there as much as one would possibly expect from a city where it's very expensive to build anything, but, like, pony They have dimensional
4: capture. magic. Don't worry about it. Yeah.
3: Yeah, Suchong <laughs> Su figured out how to use quantum lutest particles to suspend horses in midair, and now they have a very exciting racetrack. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God yeah so yeah Suchong. Uh,
0: yeah, James they
4: just needed some racism in this game.
1: <laughs> it's Suchong. It's just it's just um, he just has a very stereotypical accent, it's just that's all, and you just look at it, but know, right, n- you look at it and you're like, oh God, um, this is
4: but that's nobody how he would write in that Bioshock
0: way. one though right, I think, regardless he did. of the way that yeah.
4: you speak, you wouldn't write like in in broken English like that, yeah, you and Why? also, You're I mean, strong. you, you like wouldn't write in, English to in, in, in the general because clearly person. it's his second language.
3: I think they were dealing with a little bit of 2008 Suchong had to remain the same, and 2008 Suchong was that. Although, like, they should have been doing maybe a little bit better in 2008. Or maybe Suchong does it as a joke. That's kind of a stretch, though. That would be cold <laughs> hilarious if that's the meta layer that they I left on been. the
1: writing table. Is that Suchong
3: is just fucking with
1: everybody w- and he has eloquent, perfect I English with loved no it. accent? <laughs>
3: I would have loved to see him like slip into that at one point and be like, yeah, what's your deal? Like, oh, I mean. Yeah, uh... and he's like, I'm actually Frank Fontaine.
0: So <laughs> Chong wants like... to know. <laughs>
3: yeah. One time I had to pretend to be a Chinaman for no. eight months. Oh my God.
4: No, no, no. Su
1: Chong is Ryan's alter ego. Oh, dude. That'd be. Li- what if Fontaine already has What one. if all characters, including the Lutessis including Booker and Elizabeth, could just slot into Ryan or Fontaine? Think about it. Think about it.
3: <laughs> yeah, what if what if literally everyone is actually just Elizabeth? Yeah, exactly. I think that oh, makes the most sense because it is. there's an unnamed number of Elizabeths running around. They claim it's infinite, but like apparently this one Elizabeth has gone been going on this murder crusade for a while and is actually done with it. She's like, "That's the last one. We got all the Comstocks." you like, "Yeah." It's like that's a what? Did you? Uh, How did you? Not
0: well. I mean, not really, because she dies. so it's like she
3: says like it's like this is the last one i remember like we were going to get this last com stock um and then she dies and then something weird happens and i don't fully understand that also still haven't finished the dlc and then they're going to get to a little Um, bit more of that but they're not going to totally close that but they are definitely
1: going to get to a little also adam's a robot i think actually uh, that's
2: adam missed the parts of the dlc that explain what he was mad about in infinite i know so it is
4: that's a, what breaks a my heart shame i know
1: but i think we should get there
4: so that was that was
1: so clearly like the writers were like we had this thing in in the story but it was cut so let me cl- let me talk about what this is to me uh, and so we can put it in context but basically you're in the stealth sequence of the burial C dlc 2 where you're elizabeth and you're going through the rafters and you actually see a conversation between
0: Okay, oh, well, actually... Ahead.
3: You're in Rapture. You, you yeah, should you did set that up say like,
0: Yeah, so, Adam... <laughs> I, was gonna I mean, say no, I played
3: the first chunk of the DLC, the second part of the DLC. Right,
0: but you're in the middle of getting the scrubber right now to repair the tear. Yes. So, after you repair the tear, you actually go through the tear and re-enter Columbia because uh, you go there just to get a particle to lift, uh, to lift up Rapture and get uh, Atlas out of uh, the depths but then Su Chong stops you before you can come back into Rapture and says he needs you to get a like a sample of human hair that he wants for his own studies. So then you go back into Columbia and thus begins the stealth sequence in Columbia mm-hmm. during the Vox Populi revolt. So this is happening Right before Booker and Elizabeth's confrontation with Daisy Fitzroy. Oh, yes. So McCoy. And I wanted to say specifically on on top of that, he
1: wants the hair. (laughs) It's sort of hinted that he wants it because there's sort of this dual scientist situation going on between the two universes where they're somewhat working together and they're somewhat trying to, like, I guess just just talk shit about each other's inventions. Like, oh, that guy's fucking, just fucking this up totally. But basically, he's trying to work on imprinting for the big daddies and the little sisters, and he can't fucking nail it. And he sees that Elizabeth and the songbird are printed, and so he needs to fucking know. It must be in the DNA. You need to get DNA from Elizabeth, which is you. Yeah, it's like young Elizabeth's hair. You need to get young Elizabeth's hair. He doesn't
0: know... Soochung doesn't know that the little girl is the Elizabeth he's been right. working. Right, and apparently
1: with. you don't right. know that he either. Quite and so know you that go on yet. this adventure. <laughs> what do you mean you don't know that? Well, like you're Elizabeth.
3: <laughs> I, I I don't. Yeah, you could just take your own hair. That's how DNA yeah, works. Yeah, I'm not sure she. You wants... see, there were books in the tower about that. I don't know. I just saw like a theory. It's like maybe she
2: doesn't want her. Or I mean, she doesn't want him to know that she's yeah. the same person. Yeah. In and case he wants to like, try to lock her up, she literally
4: says that's that was my hair. Yeah. Right? Yeah, but maybe that's like, a little she, later. She literally says yeah, that but she, I don't well. think she
2: wants. Yeah, so she doesn't want like Su to know that she is Elizabeth, lest he like I don't know tries to like lock her up or something. Yeah, again. do
1: something crazy. Yeah. Yeah, she definitely. So so anyways. Well,
0: because he he sees her as a, like a very interesting yes. specimen. So and he, I think yeah. she's I mean, aware even of Even Ryan that, tries
1: to do so. it. Yeah. Yes, true. And so. Basically, you go into Columbia in order to get this lock of hair Um, and also the test par- particle, right? That's at the same time. Um, And so, you know, basically, Suchong double crosses you and says, like, OK, you got the thing I need, but I actually need more. I need this hair. And so then you go further and you, you're you stealthing through the vents and you see Daisy Fitzroy and the Lutesses, the brother and the sister, talking. And they're explaining to Daisy Fitzroy basically what has to happen in order for the future that she wants to play out. So she's saying she essentially starts with fuck that I'm not murdering this kid. That's fucking crazy. I won't do it.
2: Dad to do to it. She's in a it's it's a scene where it's Daisy, the Lutessas, and then the kidnapped and tied up
1: yes. Fink and his son. Yes, exactly. And she says I will I will mm-hmm. kill Fink every day of the goddamn week a uh, week, but I will not kill the kid. He had nothing to do with this. This is bullshit. And the Lutessa's in their sort of poetic almost song-esque, you know, back and forth, say, that's all well and good, but what you need to do is you need to turn Elizabeth into a killer. And if you turn Elizabeth into a killer, your cause will succeed. And so they essentially pose the question to her saying, do you care personally about this? Or, like, are you important in this? Or is it the cause? Is it the player or the cause? And they say, if you care about the- player or the play? The player or the play. So, If you care for the cause, if you care for the play, the revolution, if you can turn Elizabeth into a killer, the rest will play out in your favor. We know we've seen the timeline. And so basically they, in a sense, set up a little bit. It's not hugely deep, but they set up a little bit of here is why Daisy turns. Here's why she kills the kid. She kills the kid in Knowing in full faith, she, she doesn't she kill the kid. Right, Exactly. Kill the kid. <laughs> she attempts to kill the kid so that she'll get stabbed at the back by Elizabeth, which will set Elizabeth on this chain, which will then lead to the revolution succeeding. So it's just like they tried to give so, extra dimensionality to her character in this. The Great Chain. The great yeah,
3: exactly the Great Chain pulling. No,
1: I don't think that's No.
3: But <laughs> So So I have a quick question. Um I heard somewhere that uh, uh Dumbledore is gay, right? Is that like (laughs) spoilers i mean okay yeah (laughs) right like i i think that that is a cool thing that they've done um i think that oh it feels to me like they are like desperately trying to repair the damage they did in in infinite uh not social damage or anything like that necessarily but like um trying to make infinite make sense and it sounds like they have done a pretty admirable job but i have no illusions about that having like that there's no fucking way that was written in the original infinite
1: yeah and at the end of the day it's a question about dlc and what purpose it serves and how could you hide something like that could you hide depth in the dlc that maybe not everyone's going to play and specifically if the game releases you know 1.0 and people don't play this DLC they don't get that depth. I mean this is what Zoe was hinting at during this podcast. Oh my god, there's more that's explaining a lot of these things that we're talking about but it's not in this standard game. And that I think is just something that this era of gaming which is not that long ago is trying to deal with what is the where does DLC fit into this? And them holding a lot of this beauty to yeah. the DLC is is sad because I could very much
3: see well they weren't holding it maybe yeah. I mean they they didn't have it. Infinite wasn't a coherent game. And the DLCs are very good and the DLCs like are working with damaged goods and they do a good job of trying to fix them. That is what I'm seeing out of this. But like I consider the experiences to be separate and I think that they were in their mm-hmm. conception. Um so like and yeah, if you have to pay more money to get A not terrible view on things that's a little weird
4: yeah it's like this was an era of gaming where they were trying to figure out how to monetize games um better for the companies so it is possible that this was like planned in story stuff that they then took out for the dlc
3: but i don't believe that and also i don't think it would be fine if I did. Well, believe like, it. But I think
0: that's. <laughs> I think, but I think they were hinting. They they were hinting at this whole thing. You know, now James, get ready. You know, blood is oh, what Jesus. makes a woman.
1: No, Gross. can you just draw like, on a like a doll kind or of diagram not... like for James here? Because.
4: <laughs> I'm sorry. But like, the, so like. My my commentary on that that statement is just like that they they say like you know what makes a girl into a woman and then they're like blood and then they're like yeah killing somebody blood and i'm like yeah but like why did you say it that way so double <laughs> entendre yeah well i mean there's Exactly. I mean,
0: granted, there also is like, there there is also like menstrual imagery in this game, like particularly when you first go into Monument Island. And one of the items that you can change is a menarch, which is an old fashioned, like basically like thing that girls use to control their periods. This feels weird. Yeah, being you're actually girl like, on this legitimately
1: teaching the rest of us about no, this because fair. I have <laughs> no idea what you're talking. I'm grossed about. out. But, like,
0: well, so like. Yeah, like, a menarch is one of the things that you can uh, you can manipulate, and then also above those items is a whole chart of Elizabeth's siphoning powers and how, or her, like, time traveling powers and how it keeps on growing with age, and then there's just one slight huge uptick. Oh, I said slight, but no, it's a huge uptick, and there's just the word menarch with the Arrow pointing at this huge uptake in her a woman powers. Art? And so like,
4: <laughs> yeah, God, Gone. <laughs> God, Gone. Gone. absolutely. So it's that's kind of similar to the um his Dark Materials series of like weird interdimensional magic that changes at puberty and virginity, yeah virginity, so- but. In the, His Dark Materials, it's the opposite, where they go away.
3: Oh, like more like a, like a singer's sorry, voice. Sorry, this is a real Why? small aside, but did anyone actually have the time to watch Coherence? No, but I have it on my list. No. Um, I think if you want to do a separate... Oh, that's almost as good, though. Oh, yeah, you're right.
1: <laughs> Dude, we should do a si- a separate side podcast he only about <laughs> needs to, He
4: only needs to watch it before your, your schoolyard well, fight. Well, hold on. First of all, in another timeline, I I I've mean, watched no, it. The
3: schoolyard fight is in yeah, a different Fight. Oh, God. no but listen hey no it's there's
1: technically
0: a reality yeah, exactly. in which i've watched it but that this reality is reality, not now <laughs> look
1: uh yeah i i do want to i wanted to go back very quickly to what you to what you were saying about the about like whether or not they had it and i certainly I don't in terms of the daisy twist or whatever and i certainly don't know and i don't think any of us know but i i will definitely get on board with the fact that it just breaks my heart that this dlc is so fucking good it's so fucking good and that many people who have played Bioshock Infinite or worse played Bioshock Infinite and stalled out in the middle where the gameplay is getting repetitive and the story seems like it's going nowhere interesting and they never played this, it's a fucking crime. Don't forget though, the very first DLC they put out was fucking horde mode. Yeah, wait, what? <laughs> None of us played that. That's <laughs> Don't ever why forget that on that. our calendar. <laughs> a single player horde mode. The best yeah, type. Was that...
3: Is that yeah, your game next week we're going to be playing week? um bioshock 2 but we're only going to be playing the multiplayer arena shooter part exactly. of bioshock 2. Um, then we'll play the
4: single player which mode. Finesse. Finesse.
1: <laughs> Dude, actually i was curious and i don't think any of us here have the um the i guess whatever like the knowledge to answer this but i was curious if they had allusions to bioshock 2 in this because they do such an incredible job and they put so much emphasis on allusions to bioshock 1 but since we haven't played bioshock 2 i'm just curious is it the you know i don't know what's the term like the what's like the ugly duckling or something that they didn't care about or it black
2: sheep the black sheep kind of like I mean, everything kind of having to do with Big Daddy is an allusion to
3: Bioshock 2, kind of. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. Yeah. But there's not like a... Bioshock 2, I believe, was exploring... I mean, this is hearsay from a friend, but I believe Bioshock 2 explores the dangers of extreme collectivism. Um, I think Bioshock 2 takes place sometime after the events of Bioshock 1 but it's still on you are correct no okay Hmm. okay yeah good job it's just interesting
1: i guess I like someday for my own personal sake unless the podcast demands it i will play bioshock 2 and i'll be curious to pull out my yarn board and to see if i can find any connections because i'm curious if (laughs) maybe it certainly was billed on release as the black sheep and everyone said skip this one bro miss it you know what i mean it's not by the same studio, it's me et with that
2: Bioshock 2 sheet. <laughs> That's
1: what I'm saying, dude. But I'm curious if at the end of the day, so many years later, they looked at it and said, Okay, maybe we can throw a couple references. Or alternatively, if they just were like, fuck this storyline, we're literally writing it out of existence. Like I'm just curious, personally, like what they did with that. But I, I guess we won't know and maybe I'll know later and, and
2: This part I don't remember, but Zoe, didn't didn't you say that two wasn't like written or directed by uh, Ken?
0: No, okay. it's not. Yeah. It's I think it's done by a different different group. But
3: our good friend Ken. Remember that time he sat us down for four hours and made us watch. <laughs> we should tweet
2: at him and be like, hey, so that that Daisy Lutessa part, was
1: that pre written or Yeah, we must know. Yeah. <laughs> also, we just we wanted to I think we actually should. And just be like how much, how
3: much of the dlc's was you scrambling to fix infinite but it's like okay let's this put this way i think why was infinite a train wreck yeah
1: exactly like <laughs> <laughs> yeah at yeah there's literally no other context than that and then just a link to our podcast
2: <laughs> just like
1: <laughs> yeah also give us a watch yeah if you could just give us a listen and a
3: shout out yeah spend six hours listening spend six hours listening to these people who kind of didn't like your game um and then uh, answer a question. <laughs> yeah, for I us, know please. you're working on other stuff, but we only think of you as this person, and frankly,
1: are not going to buy or play anything that you ever do later. So this is who you are to us. So please answer.
3: Also, um, when's Bioshock Three coming? Actually, out. Let's see if we can get Ken Levine on the yeah, podcast. But... Let's see if we can get Bio- uh, Ken Levine on Dude, the podcast. I don't clearly we're big can we're you big imagine enough for like tricking
1: ken levine onto this podcast and secretly it's just like an interrogation chamber where it's just adam and ken levine about the fucking infinite universe theory and he's like but what about this and ken Levine's like well i mean you know I, I didn't think for a game that really made sense and then he's just like like sitting there like wait a minute what's happening here and he tries <laughs> to get like, up and he's like wait is this one of those chairs that like launches me into fucking columbia because i <laughs> noticed that my hands are like locked down and uh this isn't good anyways sorry um <laughs> how'd you lock the door we're in different cities <laughs> answer the yes. question ken ken this timeline for our own podcast doesn't even make sense because i've locked you up from over here and he's like i don't have to answer that that's on you and you're like no fuck that
3: that's on you ken the meat cut yeah ken explain how i did that because i don't even know anyways sorry hey so- i did notice very briefly that um in the very beginning of burial C, sea once you once you like finally gain control of things and like elizabeth just starts teleporting all over the fucking place she's just next to you at all times with no explanation mm-hmm
1: and Which the first thing she does or at least for me
4: this interview with ken levine brought to you by <laughs> visual
1: dude this is the content we're missing <laughs> god fucking thank god james is back oh god you know you could have just played clips from no him i could have earlier. done that. no that's <laughs> t- that's technically too hard for me um but what i will say is um <laughs> At least for me, Elizabeth, the first thing she ever did the second we got into actual gameplay is the very first thing she did was just like, I'm looking, but I can't find it yet. And I was like, oh, so we're just like, we have this dynamic? Like, you didn't want to, like, talk to me about how you were going to throw me stuff or, like, just... Okay, we're cool. We're cool. Um, But going back, (laughs) Zoe, can you take us to the end of the second DLC so we can start talking about the sort of where this leaves everything?
0: Right. Okay. So... um. Let's see where to I guess begin with the second DLC versus where to end. Okay. So I guess you start off the second DLC in Paris, but clearly a very idealistic version of Paris. So, you know, everybody is singing Lovey and Rose and like Hello?
3: That
1: wasn't me, but I will make a child fun of like this. the of dancing with
3: a baguette. <laughs> that was the child dancing with a baguette who only knows how to do that. that is so <laughs> hilarious. I was like looking uh, at yes. that and I was like, on the one hand, uh, this is give me a minute. Yeah, you do that.
1: Something creepy's happening. Okay. happening. Yeah, your roommate's like, is it cool if I turn down the music? <laughs> Dude, that kid with the baguette was so hilarious to me because I was like, I could see how some people would find this offensive. Alternatively, though, I've been to France and their baguettes are amazing. And I love them. And I eat yes. them every morning.
0: But, you know, it's like, it's like so creepy because you're walking around and everyone just turns to you going like, bonjour bonjour and then
1: you respond <laughs> and like, English. Ah. <laughs> or
2: better yet you well, don't say anything in a way that's yeah. like
0: cause it's it's clearly like a manufacture, like it's clearly a reality she built up so it does make sense like ah oh, in my ideal version of Paris I don't have to learn French <laughs> everyone just understands me and I understand them and like naturally they
1: say authentic like, things in French but I understand them yep yep
0: yeah but, uh, yeah, so, like, you're you're in Paris, but then you start, uh, something keeps on calling you back, um, and then suddenly your version of Paris becomes shattered, and Sally keeps on telling you to come back, come back. And uh, as you're walking through, there's, like, a ton of different, like, imagery uh, focused on both Columbia and Rapture that keeps on bringing you back, um, some of which kind of makes sense um, at that point in time, other... Others are like uh, hinting towards what is going to happen to Elizabeth, such as the uh, right. lobotomy and the um, and the ace uh, ace of spades that comes across uh, your face, right. aka yes. the ace in the hole. Um, so, um, for some reason, Elizabeth finds herself back in rapture, but she doesn't quite know why. And then she realizes it's because the Big Daddy killed her, um, and. She, therefore, technically couldn't come back to that reality without breaking some rules. So she strikes a deal with the Lutesses that, you know, please let me come back and save Sally. Like, Sally, like, I feel bad for using Sally for my own personal gain of, like, murdering Comstock. Like, I feel bad about the plight of the Little Sisters. I want to save her. And the Lutesses say, okay, sure. But, like, you're done with your tear powers. Like, no more. Like, you're your one life is your one life to live. And that is that you are now no longer a part of multiple realities. You will just be a part of the rapture reality. Um, so, um, also at that point, you know, she strikes a deal with Atlas and his thugs and begins to go on this kind of wild goose chase to get Atlas's city to float to the, um, to the level rapture was at, um, and so, um, really, just the whole content of the second of uh, the second part is just a lot of stealth, a lot of collecting items. um You go into Colombia and just see more of that collaboration between Fink and su um I particularly like the uh, audio log that you pick up where uh fink is talking about oh man all these sea trips to grab all these sea slugs for my vigors is ruining yes. my margins <laughs> like why is it so expensive and then you realize a drinkable plasmid costs 10 times as much atom as like an injectable which plasmid. Wait, wait, it's worth
1: clarifying that there's this so, is this like, inter uh science relationship between these two essentially like interlinked columbia and rapture where it turns out vigors and plasmids are the same thing they are from the same source uh and it was i don't know exactly who created them or what started it but the moral of the story is that they get to both worlds they come out in different forms whether they're drinkable or by uh injection and they have different pluses and minuses for each but in a sense there's a lot of this engineering that kind of comes together it's the big daddy and the uh handyman it's the plasmid and the vigor it's the songbird i guess maybe it's the songbird of the big daddy's maybe a better comparison there but the point is that the these engineering mm-hmm. slash science efforts are through the tears sort of they're what they're both watching each other they both see stuff from each other although, mm-hmm.
3: although it is interesting to note uh or I, I should say important to note that the rapture that you are in is a different rapture than the rapture from uh Bioshock's yeah i was one. curious about that does it yeah is that true I mean, yes, because yeah, the plasmids are is. named different things okay. and different okay. things yes. happen. Um, Booker is there for Well, one. but it's it's always it's always a yeah. previous in the timeline. Well,
1: so, like, it, you know, in theory it could have happened, especially because you're not in Rapture. You're in the, like, lower subsection that's, like, almost the prison that's been sent down to the depths of the ocean where Fontaine works right. and Atlas, like, etc.
3: There's not a lot of overlap, but there is the overlap with the plasmids. Like, Bucking Bronco didn't exist in right. Rapture. Um uh incinerate is now called right. hell's kiss um like there are just things that didn't okay. happen and
1: i was curious if they were gonna go right. crazy with that in terms of like yeah. people living or dying and that didn't in the in the previous game but anyways
0: i'm glad they didn't i think like i think that was an element that was best done without um but yeah so uh so, yeah, kind of like what McCoy mentioned at, uh, earlier in this podcast, though, like Chong is trying to figure out how to make the big daddy's imprint on the little sisters. And he is trying to figure that out from Fink, who managed to, or at least in Chong's eyes, Fink managed to get the songbird to imprint on Elizabeth. And it turns out through all this creeping and going through all of these uh, laboratories and Fink's uh, area that it's really not like the fact that there was some like genetic or injectable or drinkable or it wasn't anything that made Songbird imprint on Elizabeth. It was just basically the act of human kindness or as Elizabeth calls it, the lion with the thorn in its paw. Um, So essentially Songbird and elizabeth first meet because songbird was in a fight and crashed through monument islands tower and elizabeth basically mended him back together and that is how their bond first um came about Mm. so with that said um elizabeth you know that's kind of like i guess the the big reveal with that and elizabeth comes back to rapture gets the city to float and then comes the best scene in video game history that i'm so excited to talk about which is the fucking that's the scene you're talking about it is it is the best use of first person perspective in a video game ever
1: so i just want
4: to say like i (laughs) listened to that part of the previous podcast where you mentioned this like best scene and McCoy was like, oh, yeah, is it like in A Clockwork Orange where you, like, force your eyes open? And I was like, <laughs> y- yeah, it kind, it kind
1: of is like that. Dude, <laughs> <of>. hell yeah, <laughs> go me from the past.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, it's uh, basically Atlas doesn't keep up his end of the deal. He doesn't want to give Sally to Elizabeth right away because he realizes Elizabeth is worth more to him than you know than he initially thought because Elizabeth is resourceful and can open tears and she's smart and she literally says I read about this in a book like 80 times yeah, in the true. second DLC but like <laughs> <laughs> um but um Atlas then decides to ask Elizabeth to reveal to him where is the ace in the hole. And Elizabeth doesn't quite know what he means by that. And then this lobotomy scene comes up and it's so good. Like, oh, like I cringe thinking about it, but that's just how effective the scene is with Atlas sticking the pick up your nose. And he's like, oh, I'm now grazing this across the back of your eyeball and then you kind of see like these like kind of floaty things in your vision and you know blue and red and you're like oh god why am i feeling this all this a wait, sudden? so wait do and me a favor here he's is like oh this i have this little
1: <laughs> just these uh early or maybe the first time that you uh encountered asmr because this is essentially torture asmr is it not <laughs> he like explains to well, you the pieces as oh, you I feel get- it in your body and you're like no fuck me cause he's talking about like and then I'm putting it right between your eye and your skull and all I need to do is hit this thing a couple times and when you're saying you feel it like that feels like an ASMR thing to me no?
0: Uh, but, like I guess a s m r is more like you know like kind of like the tingly like you know hair sticking up on the back of your neck, kind of feel, and that is definitely not what I felt in <laughs> this kind of instance. I guess it was more like, I don't know, like i it definitely was effective in both the visuals but then also just the sound uh that they do when he's hitting the mallet against the pick, and you're like, oh God, I somehow felt that in my brain, like oh, why.' but um it's it's a fantastic piece of art that makes me cringe every time i see it but i just also think it's just a brilliant scene that they did if
1: you love that that you'll love the eyeball scene Um, in dead space oh jesus have we not played that yet nope oh jesus gabe and i are playing dead space right now together and i'm just not (laughs) excited about that shit good god Dude, it's so creepy. I, this scene I held yeah. my hands up in front of my eyes as if to protect myself from this. It was so fucking uncomfortable. Oh my god. And I guess that that is a champion, right? That's like a or a success. That's a victory. But holy shit was it uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, for sure. Oh.
4: I'm nodding right now. Oh
0: god. I just had to I just had to fangirl over that again, just because it's it was a really cool way to utilize the first-person perspective in a way that actually, like, made you literally feel something at times where you're like, oh, God. But, um... But anyway, um... So, Atlas asks Elizabeth where the ace-in-the-hole is, um, and then in just kind of a moment of desperation, Elizabeth is finally able to see through, you know... To see through all the doors one more time to be able to figure out where this ace in the hole is. And that ace in the hole happens to be the trigger phrase for Jack.
4: Yeah.
0: Um, so it is, the ace in the hole is literally the coded message, would you kindly... And by seeing through all the doors, Elizabeth knows that in giving Atlas the trigger phrase for Jack, Atlas will summon Jack into rapture, and it will lead to Atlas's eventual demise. And the little sisters in this storyline will be saved. In Adam's storyline, they're still They totally glossed over the possibility of choice
1: there. I was like, (laughs) wait, (laughs) Um yeah it's, it's <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah i they definitely kind of play it to you know they're assuming that you save the little sisters in the original bioshock mm-hmm. to go through this storyline I mean, they assumed
3: that in um, the original totally. Bioshock, also no totally
0: <laughs> right yeah, yeah it's
1: it's this is an interesting sort of like last section from a story perspective because they're it's like first of all everyone's double crossing you no everyone has the power over you and I don't know if that's like what commentary that is on, but it's a it's an interesting effect where it's just like you can't, you know everyone's just going to fuck you over every turn you do, but like what are you going to do? They, they have all the power. They have all the chips in their side. So you just sort of constantly do these things for them and then they fuck you over and ask for another thing. And at the end of the day, they're like, thanks for that thing. We're going to tie you up and beat you up anyways or we're going to f- try to, you know, interrogate you anyways. And so basically Atlas, like first of all, you know, it's interesting to see they 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 uh, flesh out Atlas a lot more here. You see a lot of the Atlas propaganda. You see some of his revolutionary-esque type forces and and who they are, and they seem like somewhat reasonable people that want to get out of here. And you you realize more about how Atlas and Fontaine, you know, are like basically just sent down to the bottom of the ocean, even though Rapture's are the bottom of the ocean, but they send it more down, and they want to come back up and they want to take over, and. They talk about this ace in the hole as this ultimate military weapon. It's this incredible technology that is essentially at the peak of science and the peak of devastation. If they can figure out what it is and how to utilize it properly. And it's supposedly supposed to get to Atlas, but then Atlas doesn't get it for whatever reason. And Chung has it, maybe, and then all this other stuff. So at the end of the day, can you get the ace in the hole, he asks you. And basically, for better or for worse, you're like fuck it i can because it becomes this realization where atlas knows with this mind control technology and with this perfect specimen of the character because because you're playing through all this and you're thinking you're tying up su chong you're tying up for instance they tie up su chong where they let you see his death do you remember when you come in the first bioshock where you come across the uh the audio log where he he's actually on the table dead and a big daddy has finally killed him. Like they let you see that again. So they're tying up that loose end and they're going to Cohen and trying to tie him up. And so tying up everyone, but you're sitting there and going the first character, the first guy in Bioshock one, is he a booker? Is he a comstock? Is he related to this? Did he have an Elizabeth the whole time? How does that fit in? And so basically the culmination of this story is to try to bring in that final story arc to bring in what was the relevance of the first person you ever played. And the relevance is that that is the final weapon. That's, In conjunction with the ace in a hole, that is the thing that Atlas can use to take down Ryan and to take down Rapture. And it's this interesting double understanding where Atlas here is and says, fucking give it to me. And the second you give it to me, I will take down Ryan. I will end this for good. And you realize you will, but it will also end you and it will also save the little sisters. So it will play out Bioshock 1 as it Mm. did. And it will also not only sort of accomplish what you want, but also destroy you as well and play out what I ultimately want. And as a result, it is worth it. And I will die here to accomplish it. And it's just like this beautiful final tie-in of essentially like what they could do for every piece of the original Bioshock to finally say, here's why all of that was relevant here with this multiple universe theory. And here's why all of these pieces come together. And that's why the first Bioshock is essentially the most important timeline and it's had all the effects that everything was sort of building towards.
0: Right. And like, there's even that parallel, you know, earlier in the episode, like Daisy giving her life for her revolution, Elizabeth comes to the understanding that I need to give my life to save the little sisters, to save Sally. Like the only way that you know, Jack will actually be able to save the little sisters is if I give my life first, because I know Atlas is never going to let me live. Um, And so she kind of, she takes that chance and, you know, sure enough, Atlas bludgeons her over the head and she, you know, dies of a head wound. Um, But, you know, there's just that kind of sweet scene at the end where Elizabeth is just sitting there dying and Sally is singing Lovey and Rose with her you know but elizabeth kind of has that look in her eyes of just like you will be saved like but and and that's all you know that's all i can do for you but it's it's been enough and then you know with that like the whole you know elizabeth is dead and now you know the universe is kind of back into that i guess like it, it's back to normalcy, I guess. You know, everything has come full circle. Except
3: for the Lutesses, they
1: just rolling around getting shit done. We should follow them for another yeah. game, guys.
0: They're they're still. I was actually going to say, do you there. think Bioshock
2: Three <laughs> <Yeah>. or <clears throat> whatever next one comes will be you play as the as Fink's kid? Because they ex- basically mm. explained all of this, like time or not, t- but like reality hopping thing in front of the kid, and the kid survives so he just
1: lives knowing all this yeah (laughs) dude fuck yeah i think it's follow the luteces and i think it's follow fuck it the kid whoever you want to follow but it's follow the luteces in the same way that they represent the to the moon characters that are on that meta level that are like fucking around with each other and like like they're when 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 elizabeth goes up to the luteces and says send me back in one more time they say, okay, fine, as if they're the universe gatekeepers. Do you know what I mean? So follow them. Send me in, coach. <laughs> and they're like, fine, we you going to lose your powers. And she's like, it's fucking worth it. And they're like, fair enough. So, yeah. So what's really interesting, they they do a lot about um the imprinting. And it basically comes down to... That the the big daddies, I guess, are just dying constantly and they need some of the atom that the little sisters can give them. And so that's sort of the relationship. And so it ends up like like through all this scientific wonder, only like the, the imprinting, which they could essentially never succeed at, was just human kindness. And it was like saving a trapped animal that has an injured paw with a claw or something like that. Human kindness is rare in Rapture. It seems like it. But, anyways. It, yeah, yeah. they literally
4: talk about... There's, like, a board of, like, why empathy sucks.
1: Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> <The other laughs> so, okay, wait. So, can we take this... Uh, this is the part that I struggle Which, with, but can we take this at a meta level to, like, then what happens to Rapture? Atlas rises. Like, what happens in the time between this and the start of Bioshock 1? Like... Well, Atlas sends out Jack, gives him fake memories as he decreed to him in Bioshock 1, gives him the trigger word and, you know, whatever makes him go through all that stuff. But then also they rise up, the people from the Fontaines universe, the down more uh, depths, that prison place, they rise up and kill everyone in Rapture and that's why there's splicers everywhere? Or is it something like, because they kind of make this idea of like, in Rapture, actually, all these plasmids are fucking working and there's no side effects and there's no nothing and it's going amazing and then it seems like oh maybe where it's not going amazing they're just sending him down to this other depth or, or something so is it that the Atlas people Atlas and his misfits just rise up and take over is that is that what's the next step to bridge these two stories
0: well they do show in and I don't know if this is where you're getting at but they do show in Burial at Sea that by Elizabeth Letting Fontaine's department store rise—that is what leads to the bombing of the Kashmir restaurant and leads to Atlas's beginning of the revolution, which is like kind of shown, like shown through audio logs in Bioshock One. Um, that's kind of how the whole revolution thing starts, and then I think just. It's I think it's just Atlas's goons just kind of running around, but also Ryan's goons. And they also kind of hint that, you know, oh, like splicing has no side effects. But then there's also some like literature that shows like, oh, uh, maybe there are some side effects. Yep. We don't know. <laughs> like, so. Yeah,
1: it's just yeah. I, I just it's it's um, I think so much of what the Bioshock story does is a little bit opaque or dense. And it's like so interesting to hear Zoe's multiple playthroughs where she's started to piece it together more. And I think like if you go back to some of Adam's criticisms in maybe episode two or three, is that like he he you know couldn't follow some of the story rules that felt inconsistent or were inconsistent. And it leads to like when you play it through the first time, you're just not totally sure what's going down. But what I will say is that the wrap up to this DLC It's like you, at least for me, I really did feel like pieces were coming into place and they were actually tying bows in a way that was like, to me, I fucking texted this nonsense, but I was like, if this is the final note in the Bioshock symphony, because this studio is done, like, I think they pulled it off. I think they got to the promised land. They got to where they wanted to go. They wrapped things together. They gave such an incredible homage to Bioshock one, but yet did it in its own flavor and its own novel feel and took it further and i fucking love that like i was just sitting there like dude this is fucking rad they actually pulled it off like you sit there and you're like all of the ending of bioshock infinite is a stepping stone for what they're doing here so they can step further and they really did like they they had so many opportunities to just fall back into nonsense but they didn't they stepped further they climbed higher up this ladder based on stepping on top of the end of bioshock infinite and it was just like fuck yeah man like good for you guys like Ugh, oh, it's lovely
0: yeah i i'm are we in
1: at the rating section you guys is that where we are at
0: i think
3: i think we're i'm ready to be well in the sense tyranny that... of tyranny the... <laughs> <laughs> of fuck is this yeah. the or is this the games Club podcast oh god did somebody get a
0: soundboard? Oh, <laughs> the
1: Nailed of it. Thumbs. Nailed it. I love how it didn't play for us. I'm sorry, Gabe,
3: Gabe didn't get to hear that, but fuck it, it was so worth it.
4: Oh my god. That yeah, was it awesome. played
3: for me, and I was like, what's happening? <laughs> you guys did not warn no, us no, about oh that. god, no, we didn't warn
1: you about that. No, no. Oh That's Elena's work on the sidelines.
0: Oh, A-plus, Elena. A-plus. <laughs>
3: Alrighty.
0: Alright. So, um... I guess we'll just go down the list. Adam.
3: Uh, sure. Um... This is spreading specifically yes. the DLCs, right? Yes. Um, I'm going to give it a, uh... We'll say thumb and a half. Um,
1: what?! Damn. What? Did bombs, what?
3: <laughs> I'm bowing to pressure, not from you guys, but to to another outside Fuck force. Yeah, outside forces. Um <laughs> uh, in any case. Um The force is strong. To be fair, it is the one. tyranny of thumbs, right? So notably I haven't actually Yeah, we're right, all yep. under the tyranny of thumbs. Um so uh Basically, um, noting that I haven't actually finished uh, the second part of Burial at Sea, and I'm not going to really be commenting on um, kind of where that ends, uh, the gameplay feels much better. Um, they It feels like they knew what they were doing, and they were working a little bit with flawed tools and a little bit with, I think, what I would call flawed story, but they did an admirable job of repairing that um and they made the encounter the encounter design was much better the enemy design was much better um the world design was uh they did a lot better job with the environmental storytelling and just the storytelling in general um they had the gameplay actually match with the um what was happening in the narrative uh they i mean the stealth section was a little bit clunky but I, one second you're gonna hear a lot of tippy-tappies as i look up when arkham asylum came out because it reminded me a lot of that how so how did it remind you of arkham asylum oh the 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 seeing through people through walls like the stealth Um, vision stuff right every stealth game needs to have like some manner of uh asymmetric asymmetric information um like you have to be able to see things through walls or see where people are going to be like it just it would be terrible it would be a goddamn nightmare if it didn't um let's see Batman Arkham Asylum looks like it was released in 2009 so it looks like they took a little bit from that um and it works um the Elizabeth sections worked pretty well and it was nice that they differentiated how Elizabeth approaches things uh compared to how Booker approaches things and that kind of made the Booker sections a little bit more interesting as well um like parts one and part parts one and two uh complement each other quite nicely as far as I've seen so far um They introduce a lot of good things, and I mean it's not perfect. Like I had a few, I didn't have as many bugs as um, Gabe and McCoy did, Uh, but you know I think it was a very solid attempt. The design is solid, the narrative is substantially better, Um, and Rapture is just a lot better than Columbia. It just, just, it just is. They, they, they did that one right. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, or, well, am enjoying it, I guess. Uh, I can't speak to the dimension-hopping nonsense as much as I would like to. Um, I suspect that it still doesn't quite match, but it sounds like they have done a somewhat... Like, why Why are... There's, like, a lot of holes, and that's fine, I guess, because it's not integral to what they're trying to tell you. Um, that's what it feels like to me. Um, and the game design is a lot better. It was a lot less of a slog. And that's where nice. I am. Very reasonable.
0: One and a half thumbs. Adam mm-hmm. has been converted. We did it. Boys. We
3: out here today, boys. <laughs> you No, no, no. Very importantly, you guys <laughs> you did, did not take credit. It. <laughs>
1: yeah. If, we'll we're, take credit, We're looking though. for a win, okay?
3: Yeah, okay. <laughs> Can fine. you give
1: us a win? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I refuse.
0: All right, James. What's up? Uh,
4: yeah. So, hmm. thumbs. How many thumbs? Uh, Just give. Just give. No, no. Don't
1: become Adam. We don't need to put to slot into that role.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Sixteen thousand. Uh, thumbs. Whoa, that
1: sounds really high, bro. Is uh, that like a two thumbs up?
4: <laughs> <laughs> I think I think this was a good game. Uh I mean a good uh, yeah, a good game in two parts. Um I think that um that uh it was well made, uh fun and um the Good, good. All over, all around, good. Two
1: thumbs, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> you chat. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, keep your composure, okay.
0: All right, all right, Gabe. Um, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I'm gonna give it uh, one and a half thumbs as well because I think the the story for this was very well done, and I enjoyed it a lot more than um infinites um and i i did appreciate that they made it feel unique from the shooting gallery that infinite was and even made this the subsections of uh booker slash comstocks playthrough and elizabeth's playthrough feel different um the only part i didn't really enjoy was the having to get used to like the different gameplay styles um, and also the fact that Elizabeth's stealth did feel a little bit clunky at times and kind of like forced onto the player is, is a weird mix of like kind of like not hardcore, but like, you know, you have to worry about stealth and catching enemies by surprise. But then there's also like this God tier solve all tranquilizer dart.
1: Yep. Hell so yeah. So
2: it, it was a weird mix of that, but yeah. So for me, it's, Great story, felt unique, but the only downside was the gameplay and mechanics were a little clunky at times. But yeah, one and a half thumbs.
0: Nice. All right, McCoy. alrighty then.
1: Um. Oh man, I fucking loved it, man. Like I, I just think, like. It felt like they actually understood what the flaws of Bioshock Infinite were, and they tried to approach them like in t- in the sense of like, like sort of what everyone's been saying. The combat design was a lot better. They reimagined a lot of the uh, inventory stuff in terms of it's it's much more scarce now. Uh, they they tried to shoehorn things as best as they could in here. Like yes, they did not make a stealth engine or whatever or a stealth game at first, but they. They built a serviceable stealth thing in here. Uh, But at the end of the day, it's where it leaves the Bioshock universe, TM. And uh, sorry, Bioshock Cinematic Universe. It's where they leave that. (laughs) And it's fucking rad. Like, I, I, I felt it had such a respect and such an honor for the original Bioshock. And it just made me happy. Like, it made me happy to see such respect and love paid to the original Bioshock. And to try to tie it all together and to somehow make the end of Bioshock Infinite, like, the perfect grounds for an exciting and new take on the original Bioshock. Like, they kind of realized, they were like, okay, Columbia, like, uh, cool at times, but we all fucking agree Rapture's amazing. So what if we gave a new take on that and we used the building box from Columbia and we tied them together? To give you another show at Rapture. It's so fucking sick. Like it made me so happy. So to me. Like I was saying. If this is and it might just be. The final note that Bioshock ever plays. I am satisfied. I thought the ending was amazing. I loved it. And. I'm sad. That there won't be more. I think there's such a great opportunity for more here. If they want to do it. But. But. At the end of the day, I think essentially my, look, like, yes, there were bugs, there were this, that, and the other that get in the way of the experience, but they don't really, to me at least. There were things that should bother you, but I was too interested in where they were going. I was too interested in seeing more rapture being fleshed out before my eyes to be bothered by the fact that, yes, I could not fucking loot a single body successfully. And it was a fucking nightmare. (laughs) Yes. But I was willing to get through that. And I was happy to get through that because I was compelled. And that is just a sign of a great, great game. Uh, And I think for better or for worse, whether they intended it or not, Mm. they were forced to shorten it. They were forced to get from the beginning to the end. Do you know what I mean? They were forced to actually get through the middle where they needed to just put in filler. Fuck the filler. Let's just get to the good shit. Um, it's just all that comes together and it, it was awesome. It was awesome. And I, I my my regret is that there are people out there. I talked to a dude at GameStop and he said, I fucking love Rapture, but I haven't played Infinite. And I was like, well, why not? And he said, well, I love Rapture. That's why I love Bioshock, but I love Rapture. And I can totally see that. And I could even see if he said I played Bioshock Infinite a little halfway and I wasn't interested. I That's all very valid to me. But it breaks my heart that that person who loves Rapture has not experienced this DLC because this DLC is exactly what he needs to see. This is exactly the fan service plus more that you would want as a Bioshock fan. So it's awesome. Um, so, so, so what you should do is quick. listen
4: to episodes one through three of our Bioshock Infinite podcast okay, and then play the DLC.
3: Actually, so real quick, small small aside, you said you talked to a guy in a um I know, right? GameStop? And it, this is dating yeah, our that, podcast, that was... because in
1: years from now, they won't exist.
3: Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of surprised
1: they exist now, In 2020, they exist. In a no, year from now? <laughs> yes. It, no, I, I talked to a guy in a GameStop <laughs> yeah. in Connecticut, because I was buying the uh, remastered version of Bioshock 1 and 2, and maybe Infinite, whatever, the remastered version that uh was on playstation because at that time i was not at my normal setup i didn't have my computer and i needed to play it on a playstation that's why i was playing it via controller that's why it was so goddamn hard to shoot everybody um but i talked to him about it yeah absolutely and he just said i fucking love bioshock but i have never played he played one and two that was his experience that was his entryway into this world and i just as i played through infinite i was like it's a hard sell. If, if you loved Rapture and that's what really brought you here, that you'd love Columbia, maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't. But this DLC is exactly what he needed. So it's kind of like my advice to the people out there is if you're considering playing... You've played Bioshock, you fucking loved it. And you're considering maybe Infinite, maybe not. There's a bunch of... I'm hearing all this weird criticism about the middle. It's drawn out. It's a lot of extra time. The story maybe does or doesn't fit together or whatever it's like you kind of have to sit there and if you really want to hear the story out you play infinite through its entirety to the end so that you follow the ending you need to follow the ending it's probably not even good enough to just see a youtube video of the end you need to sort of play through that but when you get there the payoff with this dlc is so fucking good if that's what you're looking for it's so fucking good and i'm so excited for you so to me that's two thumbs up for sure two thumbs up for sure and that's where i stand
0: i feel like i need to always have you end with this because i don't know how to follow up <laughs> it like was like
4: an <laughs> hour like two thumbs up yeah done like a... all right <laughs> <laughs> my bad
3: yeah remember how we were supposed to be in like the reviewing like the, the section where we just give a synopsis or like a summary do you remember what they taught you summary meant in the in, tyranny in of <laughs>
0: I thought I thought it was a very beautiful like review on McCoy's warm heart.
4: weather, like the sun's out
3: all the time. Hey, can we get McCoy out? Sorry, can we get uh, James out of this podcast? I think you have privileges. I shouldn't have said to that, but like, yeah, I can't. I can't just kick him from the call, but he'll still be able to keep talking into his microcord. Like, and he'll probably send you his. Actually, just don't don't cut him in. Just you know don't, I don't, don't edit it. so.
1: James in all of his entirety will be here. Um, but, yeah. Zoe, so what would you think? Take us home. Sorry I fucking said literally every point in existence. Uh, my bad.
0: Oh, don't worry about it. Um, okay. So, I guess I'm going to start at, with the following. I think a lot of people who, if they've been keeping track, are a little bit confused. Because they're like, Zoe... You really love, or so you say, you love this franchise of Bioshock. And yet, you gave Bioshock one thumb, and you gave Bioshock Infinite one thumb. And you haven't even played the second one, so what kind of fucking fake-ass fan are you? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And so, all I have to say is that my love for the game... As odd, as ridiculous as it may say, sound, rests in this DLC. And therefore, I'm giving this DLC oh, my gold star.
1: Fuck, Boom. I need a sound effect Zero. for that. God damn it, I didn't prepare. I get one of those a this year. Game. <laughs> you know, like, you guys know that. Thank you, please. i down a timestamp. Do you remember, like, fucking, what's that show where they, like, do the golden buzzer if the singer's, like, incredible? The is voice. It, America's Got Talent? Oh, maybe the voice. Either one. If this is Zoe's golden buzzer. Right.
0: Yep, exactly. Confetti is falling from the sky right now, and Ken Ken Levine has his hands on his cheeks, like, "Oh my god!"
2: Meanwhile, the other four so, of us are like, "Fuck that oh. <laughs> guy, that fucking guy."
0: <laughs> but this this DLC has I am gonna sound like Stefan from SNL, being like, "This DLC has everything." Rapture, story building, good combat, loot that makes sense. It's got everything. But it's true. (laughs) I feel like there's just a lot with this game that I just absolutely love. I love the uh, uh, homages to the original Bioshock. I love how more Mm in-depth some of the rapture characters are as well as more of that backstory is fleshed out uh that we kind of came in halfway through in bioshock one we actually get to see some of those events play out in the dlc and that kind of stuff i just absolutely love i eat that stuff up, world building, you know, things, callbacks to things that have happened years ago, callbacks to games that have, you know, been completed years ago. Uh, I, I love that shit. And I just felt like this game did such a good job at all of it, you know, using the updated assets, but still coming back to its bread and butter, which is Rapture in its and its storyline. And... It breaks my heart, it's true, that this is just a DLC and that there will be plenty of people who will never play this because it's an extra $15 on Steam or whatever um, to get both parts. And that, it, it makes me really sad. It almost wishes, like, makes me wish that they could have just, you know, done away with the middle of Bioshock Infinite and just had this DLC be the whole second half of this game. Um... But I do credit the game studio for for making this, and I think they did a very wonderful homage to it and just you know that final scene with Elizabeth lying there dying, and you know panning out to all of rapture, you being aware of the events that are to come because you've played them already like. That was just a very beautiful farewell to the Bioshock franchise, and I don't think the game will be coming back with anything additional. I think that was their farewell, and rightfully so. I don't think anything else would feel right adding anything on at this point. So, with that said, you know, Ken Levine, you've got your faults. You know, clearly you have heard through the various complaints and whines and bitchings from our podcast. You know, this franchise isn't perfect, but I am glad that you created this piece for us to, you know, take home with and for to have this be the final note of Bioshock as a whole.
1: I I ask one question. Is it, I know you said that there's nothing more that they could add. Is it possible that there could be a... I don't know, director's choice, director's cut, editor's choice, editor's cut version of this, where instead of adding anything, they simply just strip some parts of Bioshock Infinite so it becomes two DLC-sized chunks, and then they have the two DLCs. Like, I know that's a little bit unheard of, but if you think about it, like, that could be the final thing they do with this game, is just tighten up Infinite so that you could get through it.
0: Okay. Okay. Okay, I mean, but that's like something completely different than coming up with a whole new storyline. Oh like, yeah, in no, one hundred percent. I, I like just that. mean, like,
1: I look at that and I think, <laughs> okay, actually, that would be fucking rad. That's the one thing I would maybe want them to do, is take a take a hatchet to infinite. Just cut out all of Vox Populi.
0: Then it's like, who's this Daisy Fitzroy who said? Yeah, they leave that, that part in for Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <wish> she's uh...
1: <laughs> awesome! Awesome, you guys. This was so fucking rad that we played such a long game together. Like, this makes me so happy because it's like in the modern day, so many people are just so surface level with these games. They play it for a minute, they play it for ten minutes, they play it for an hour, and they've got the gist. And, like, this is a game that you can't get the gist in an hour. In fact, this series, you can't get the gist in six hours. It takes going into it and and going into it really deeply in order to actually get the value. And I'm just so thankful that we could all do this together. And Because it's not an experience that I think we would have had otherwise. And I know it's not an experience I would have had otherwise. And I just wanted to, to thank everyone for that. It's fucking awesome. And I'm just curious... Gabe, what are we doing next? Well,
2: put on your diving suits and grab your giant drills because we're going back to Rapture one last time. Oh my
4: fucking god!
2: (laughs) 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 Oh shit! And we're playing (laughs)
4: Dishonored.
2: Gears of War, actually. (laughs) Yeah, okay, reasonable. No, yeah, I figured we'll just end it with... Isn't Gears... Gears, what, 5 or 6? Yeah, it's six. Gears it's 5 now. Just it's actually out. done by uh, Rob Ferguson.
4: Ken Levine. No, but it's Ken actually Levine. done by the no, second
2: in command of Infinite. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Oh. But no, we're going to play Bioshock 2 oh. because it's the, the black sheep of the Bioshock family. And also Zoe can't be a true fan. Because our yeah. fan told us to no no <laughs> but yes but also because i want zoe to actually experience it so she can decide if she actually does want to be a true bioshock fan or not yeah
1: and like maybe there'll be some references or maybe it'll become totally cut out like if there's gonna be a game in this series that does not um fit chronologically i suspect it might be this one
2: well it takes place after bioshock um, one so. a... yeah yeah
3: yeah so, I have a quick so question. Still, Why like, did we name our night. podcast The Tyranny of Thumbs? And really, we should have just called it The 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 Shack okay. Club.
4: No, The Bioshack. Oh, I'm
0: smelling oh, the, the salt the in Adam's breath already. He's so salty. <laughs>
1: Dude, I've heard, honestly, listen, the description from a reviewer on our podcast who then since, like, changed his review to, like, a response to what we were saying, which now is, like, a totally awesome, but at the same time, like, it it's, it's, so, da- it's so funny because I, I look at our podcast and it's just like this this really nice guy just responding to some shit we said and i'm like oh my god um we should have done the you the service of actually giving you an email because now the review just looks like an inside joke which is all we deserve for this fucking podcast um so fair <laughs> enough that's all we deserve i am 100 percent in agreement with that but what he was saying was that he was explaining the gameplay of it it's a lot more traps is a lot more like turret uh tower defense like defend the hill sort of thing and i think with the traps uh with that they set up with the plasmids, that could be fucking cool. Like that's probably pretty good.
2: Yeah, honestly, I'm also excited because that is the game where I remember nothing. Mm-hmm. Like I remember the beginning and end of Bioshock, end of Infinite, and the the DLCs. But the part I thought I remembered from Bioshock Two was in Bioshock One, and I was like, "Well, then I I got nothing." <laughs> <laughs> so. Maybe
1: that's a bad sign.
2: It might be. But I'm gonna relive it. <laughs> We're gonna fucking yeah, this find game out. Apparently, is
3: not especially dude, so memorable. Down.
1: Like, dude, that's a, this is what it's about, bros. All right, is getting in there, bros and girl. Is that weird? Now that I clarified it, it's weirder. <laughs> yeah, I, you're right. I can be a bro. You're right, that's bros. Period. Um. Fuck yeah. We're that's, the Bioshock bros. That's. For the Bioshock bros? The the B bros? The B bros. Oh my god. New podcast name. <laughs> so we're, um, hmm.
4: So should I just only speak in whale noises next week? Because of
2: Big Daddy. <laughs>
4: yeah, can you speak in Big Daddy noise? <laughs> that is kind of what whales sound like sometimes.
0: I, the sound design does take wheels, but anyway, let me just Thank try one so
3: more. Uh, nope, nope, okay. right? Oh, come on, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, I made a joke about getting a, a, a soundboard, <laughs> and then you just went and did it. <laughs> All right, right. Uh, call it a day. All right, (laughs) right. take it easy. Bye,
0: everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Stop button. Bye.
4: I love you guys.
0: (laughs) Fuck
3: yeah.